Shopify helps you sell at every stage of your business. Like that, let's put it online and see what happens stage. And the site is live. That we opened a store and need a fast checkout stage. Thanks, you're all set. That count it up and ship it around the globe stage. This one's going to Thailand. And that, wait, did we just hit a million orders stage? Whatever your stage, businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for your $1 a month trial at shopify.com slash listen. All right, happy Monday, everybody. Welcome in. Justin Kinner, Kev Nash, back with you here on a Monday. I hope you had a great weekend. Thanks for hanging out and tuning in, spending some time with us. After a couple days off, we're back off and rolling. Finally, a week that we get to talk about and preview upcoming live sports. Now, a lot of you are like Kev, and you <laughs> drop these little, oh, maybe, maybe, maybe. But we ain't doing that this week. What's my hashtag? Ain't playing what you have a lot of them. You have a lot of them. <laughs> My you, hashtag. To be fair, you do have a lot of them. <laughs> what is your hashtag when it comes to this exact hashtag? Ain't no season. See, and that's really just for college football. Yeah, we're going to talk about that too coming up uh, here as more developments. And again, we missed a lot, uh, and I, I, it usually happens. I mean, there's so many. Every time you miss a day, uh, there's so many things that come out. Like, man, I would have loved to spend time talking about that. So we'll kind of catch up on some things. I'm not going to regurgitate stuff from five days ago, but there are some things that have developed that have led into topics for today that we will get into. Uh, with The Athletic, Joe Varden, uh, NBA senior writer, he is in the NBA bubble right now. He's going to be calling into the show at 4.30. I'm excited to talk with uh, with him coming up around the corner. Uh, again, NBA senior writer Joe Varden, 4.30 with The Athletic. He is in the NBA bubble. He's had to go through the entire process of being quarantined. Uh, I'm curious. There's so many questions I have for him in regards to, like, what is the feel like in the bubble when you're walking around i mean are you nervous to leave your hotel room uh you, you know what is the when you're seeing players around or do you even see players i'm i'm just curious for how tight this bubble actually is and uh we're going to talk about that we're going to talk about that with him coming up around the corner plus i'm not really exactly sure what the reboot exactly is this is it like eight games regular season games so are you going to have like preseason laker type games versus fighting for your playoff lives and the Pelicans. I mean, I feel like there's going to be like some kind of preseason feel to this to a certain extent, right? Like the yeah. Lakers, like they, they're they the one seed, right? Yes. Or is it everyone's replaying for everything? I, no, I don't get it's, this. it's a combination of everything. It's a combination that the Lakers, where Lakers and the Bucks are still like the number one seeds, and they're, they're so, especially the Bucks, they're so far ahead of everybody, they're basically locked into the yeah. one seed. So it's going to, I imagine it's going to be a somewhat of, a, like you said, like a preseason feel from like the Lakers and the Clippers and the Bucks, but a fight for your life with the Pelicans, Trailblazers just to get in. And I, you know, I think that's going to be the most entertaining part about basketball because, you know, we saw this with the TBT. You lose and you go home. And this, all right, man, we've been down here for three weeks. We got to win. We got to go as far as we can. Like we can't just come down here and give up. You know a month of our lives for nothing we're gonna fight to the end so i expect especially those uh games closing into the playoffs to be very intense i'm not sure it's gonna be the best basketball we've ever seen because we've missed basketball basically since march these guys haven't played so it's gonna be a, a warming up process but i i expect those games to get intense very fast i think it'll be a smoother transition 
as far like right now they're practicing, they're playing every day. I think it'll be a smoother. Tra- I think the basketball will be better than people think for this reason. It's not like you're practice. Like a lot of times, here's the difference: like you can't simulate a lot in practice as far as games are concerned. You can't get a lot of game like feels in practice. But this is going to have very similar practice like feels to it. There's no fans at your practice, and there's no fans at the games. So there might be a smoother transition from the season prep of portion of the preseason to the actual season because it's not like you're going from practicing in empty gyms to all of a sudden having to adjust to playing in, in front of loud fans. There is no fans. I think you might see a smoother transition as far as that's concerned. But again, the senior NBA writer Joe Varden he'll, uh, with The Athletic, uh, he's going to call in and, and uh, join us coming up at 4.30 live from the NBA bubble. Multiple ways you can be involved in the show. Uh, how about you give us a text? Take advantage of the ESPN Dayton fan hotline. is the number that you can text in and jump in on the conversation or if you don't want to text but you want to call in uh, and be a part of the conversation, you could do that as well. 457-9464. 457-9464. That's the number you call in if you want to text the show. 210-9676. Uh, put a 937 in front of both of those uh, if you're from outside the area. All right. Lots to get into. But first, we are going to kick things off with the Justin Kinner Show. Top headlines. It's the Justin Kinner Show's top headlines. So we know that the Cincinnati Reds will officially be having their opening day later on this week. We hope. How to beat Kevin to it. <laughs> I just broke my own rule. I'm trying my best to, to get rid of those. Uh, you know, it's funny. When you're off for about four or five days, you listen to a lot of shows. And now I know what people are saying when they say, oh, man, I'm tired of all the negativity. I'm tired of all the negativity. I'm not going to pretend that the problems within life and sports don't exist. But at the same time, I do understand now what people are talking about. There's a lot of driving around and a lot of stuff over the last five days. And I'm like listening to a lot of different shows. I'm like, man, no one. I Now I get what people are because, you know, during the day when I'm listening to shows, I'm like listening to kind of how different topics are being approached and stuff. I'm listening to it differently. But the last five days, I was able to listen to it just as a sports fan in general. And I'm like, man, there is a lot of negativity. But, uh, you know, sometimes that is the reality of what's going on in the world right now. But with that being said, the Reds opening day coming up later on this week. But it's kind of scary if I don't know how many Blue Jays fans there are in the in the Dayton area right now. But if you know all five of you, please pay attention. Uh, the Blue Jays are still talking to teams about sharing the park after Canada banned them from being able to play. So it really was that banning them from playing in Canada. It's that like with everything going on right now, the U.S. is not doing well as far as handling the spread of the virus. They don't want a bunch of teams. They don't want a bunch of players, a bunch of humans. You know, going back and forth over the border. Not they have their stuff in check. Mm-hmm. We don't have our stuff in check over here. So there is no need for them to risk spreading something for a baseball game to be played in an empty stadium. It's a lot easier. And by the way, for everyone out there that's saying, see, this is why they shouldn't have come back. There should be no baseball season. Stop, folks. Look, we watched. I mean, again, I'm not comparing Major League Baseball to the TBT. But keep in mind, okay, keep in mind that the TBT, it was like, you know, we're going to do our best, but we're not going to hang around and wait for everybody. You're either with us or we're moving on quick. We don't have time to, to kind of allow, you know, to drag you along. Major League Baseball needs to have the same approach. I know that's a very aggressive approach, and I'm not saying that they're going to leave Toronto behind. However, the Toronto Blue Jays, you don't cancel an entire season because one of your teams is having an issue as far as getting the season started. Is it fair? No, but nothing is fair or equal about everything that's going on in sports right now. I'm not saying it's going to that point. I mean, I'm reading right now that right now they're you know looking possibly at Tampa Bay, which again you want to limit how much you're going to Florida as much as you can. Right. You know, Washington's being another you know spot. PNC Park is also another team uh, with the Pirates that they're looking at as far as sharing a home stadium um, as far as that's concerned. 
but we shall see what's going to happen with that. But very interesting, again, the timing cannot be worse. Is le- literally less than a week before opening day. That news is announced over the weekend. And, hey, they are not going to be able to play their home games uh, in Canada, and they will not, you know, no one's going to be going there to play either. I actually think this is a, a good thing. I think, I know it sounds bad for the Blue Jays, but if I'm a player too, I don't really want to be, cry- I, I don't want to be, leaving the border either. I I'm, I'm just want to stay in as much as I can. It's bad enough within the state lines to begin with. Yeah. I don't think this is that bad of a, big of a deal. I think once they get that home you location, don't. they'll be fine. No. I think this is a huge situation. I think they were prepping for this. I don't think this is surprising to anybody. I think it's huge because you have the players, they want to play in a major league ballpark. I know that whole situation about them playing in the minor league park in Buffalo. Uh, the lights situation, having trouble fielding balls in the lights. Um, then you got to think like, all right, if they can play in Pittsburgh or in D.C. or even in Florida, the grounds crew, how many people are going to be working overtime to get those uh, games turned over fast. And you talked about going to Florida. They're spiking like crazy. And I understand Canada's situation. They don't want people coming in out of the state, especially from the United States. Especially people that's been in Florida. You know, it's it's scary times and you don't want to infect everybody in your country. Like you said, they're handling their business. They're paying attention to the rules, unlike us. Yeah, with that being said, like I said, I mean, the only reason I'm not freaking out about this is it's one team. Mm-hmm. It's one team, and it can be done. It could be. Is it going to be convenient? No, but I don't think any of this is convenient for anybody. Which, by the way, I was taking a look at the red schedule the other day, which we'll get to in a moment. But they're playing like two home games at home, and then they're going to hit the road for two at Cleveland. And I'm like, why? You know, they really were not smart with this schedule. I know they're trying to even up home games, and they're trying to make sure. But my goodness, this could have been done. They, I, I'm not a big fan of how often they're traveling. I mean, you're yeah. like two games in Cincinnati and then head to Cleveland for two. It's like, just get all four in somewhere. Yeah. I mean, I know it sucks. You might lose out on some home games. But at this point, you're down to 60 games. You're trying to minimize the risk as much as possible. I think it's dumb to play two in Cincy and then go play two in Cleveland, but is what it is. Uh, that'll We'll get to that more coming up around the corner. Staying in baseball news. Um, speaking of the Cincinnati Reds, Derek Dietrich, I remember one of the early headlines when uh, camp initially opened up back at the beginning of the month, which seems like forever ago. <laughs> uh, Derek Dietrich was not on the summer camp roster, and everyone was trying to figure out what exactly was going on. It was a very hush-hush. Derek Dietrich had tested positive for the coronavirus. Uh, he has fully recovered, um, and he is ready to come back and play. However, he will not be in game shape by Friday. So he has um, taken advantage of and exercised the outs within his contract, and the Reds, you know, they agreed and they released him. So he has been released by the Cincinnati Reds. Uh, Reds manager David Bell had released a statement earlier with media saying, hey, look, you know, they're pulling for him, that he's a definitely major league ball player. But right now he's just not in game shape, and because everything is such a quick turnaround, they don't have time to allow him to kind of catch back up. They have to keep things moving too. So it was actually it worked out for both. I'm sure he would love to be on the field and start on time, but the reality is, is just the nature of the beast right now. And this is no different than tweaking your ankle, mm-hmm. you know, any other kind of injury. A lot of players are I don't want to say being left behind, but hey, he he's the one that exercised the option to be let go. It wasn't like the team was just saying, oh, you had COVID, we're cutting you. Yeah. Um, but nonetheless, how about you know? I think it was Friday. Uh, it came out Yasiel Puig tested positive for yeah. the coronavirus and uh, ended up not passing the physical and ultimately did not sign with the Atlanta Braves. I, I heard a lot of people over the weekend saying that this isn't right, that you can't punish these players for testing positive. These players aren't being punished. Some of these players are choosing 
to opt out so then go get healthy and then maybe reevaluate the field and go to a good situation once things are ready. But you don't want to be behind the eight ball. If you're Derek Dietrich and Yelsio Puig, and Puig's in a much different category, if you're going to be so far behind because you're trying to recover from the virus and then you have to get in game shape after, right. you're going to be so far behind as far as where the team is at that point, you might just want to reevaluate the entire field once again and go somewhere that's going to have a good need for you. Uh, I have no issue with Derek Dietrich asking for his out and good for the Reds for obliging by it. And, uh, yeah, both te- both sides move on as far as that's concerned. So what's the deal with Puig? I mean, so Puig, he's back to being a free agent. Back to being a free agent, obviously. And, uh, I mean, he's going to have to go through getting healthy and those types of things. And he'll have a chance to re-sign with the team. Uh, but, again, he failed. The, I mean, that was part of the right. physical. I mean, people were mad at the Braves for doing that. I'm like, I, I'm not mad at the Braves. This is the reality of it right now. And I don't think that he even feels victimized by it. I think he even understands it. And to be honest, it's probably better for Puig uh, right now. Go get healthy, reevaluate the field, and move on. Mm. As far uh, as that is, as far as that is concerned, Justin Kinner, Kev Nash, with you here. It's the Justin Kinner Show top headlines. How about this, LeBron James? What is the most money you've ever spent on a jersey or any kind of sports paraphernalia? Uh, or if you don't want to say the amount of money, but what's the most expensive? The sports most expensive because yeah, you're a big shoe guy. Yes, yeah. Well, so that doesn't really count. So does that count? You want to put shoes in this? That's not if, put if shoes you in bought this. like some kind of special kind like that, were like a collector's item maybe. But like I just like this LeBron James rookie card just sold for one point eight million dollars at an auction. For one, I I don't get how something that small has that much value to it. It's just a card with a picture on it. I don't get it. I will never spend that. I mean, but I know a lot of our listeners are big baseball card collectors and stuff. But, man, LeBron James rookie card sales for $1.8 million. I've never been a sports collect, like, you know, as far as that goes, but I also haven't been rich enough to, to be able to do that either. I used to be huge into collecting football and basketball cards when I was a kid. Whenever I go home, I have a shoebox underneath my bed in my mom's house. I still have all my stuff in there, and I'll go in there every single time I go home just to check to make sure all my stuff is still there. Because this is one of those situations where you like think like, all right, in a million years, it's going to be worth X amount of dollars. And the person that sold that, why would you sell it now? He's in year 17. What? How many think years you think LeBron has left? On the high end, four. On the lower end, two. That card is going to double when he retires. Yep, and especially if he wins another ring or yes. let's say wins two more. I mean, I mean he's a legend already, regardless. Yes. But again, as his accomplishments continue to roll, the more that card is going to be very unique. In yeah, the I would have hung on to it. I would have hung on to it. It's, it's going to go through the roof. That's but the guy that bought it for one point eight million. That might be a investment. Steal. That might Great be a investment. steal as far as that's concerned. But, man, a, a card, I would never, even if I had money. I'm trying to think, like, if I would change if I had money. I don't think I would change to the point where I'm going to buy, spend $1.8 million on a card. No. I just couldn't. No. no. But good for that guy that bought the card. You know, this is what it is. Good for the guy that sold it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how much golf you watched over the weekend, but I found that as I've become more addicted to golfing, like myself, <laughs> like, I actually am more interested in watching it. I always thought that watching golf was just so painfully boring, but there's, you know, as more as I've fallen in love with the sport more as far as playing it now i'm like watching it more and more interested in it from that standpoint by the way tiger but and, and, <laughs> tiger woods now come on, i'm a huge tiger fan but i'm tired of when he was not golfing say for the student athletes they're probably saying you know what let's keep them off campus for the student athletes that's probably being done for you it's being done to protect because you're going to be in a controlled environment all right and if you're not in the controlled environment that's because you're breaking the rules and you're out doing things you shouldn't you got to follow those rules too. We can't put it all on the universities and college and yada yada. 
So I just think there's a lot that can go. I think it would be benefit a lot of sides here. But the thing uh, about that, about quote unquote following the rules and everything like that, we hold in the the athletes to a standard that the general population isn't doing. The and that doesn't population. make it any more lesser. I mean, if they really want it. Yeah, but I mean that's that's the thing about it. Like the general population is. They're screaming that they want sports, they want their Buckeyes, but they're not following the rules either. Because they, like me, even though, like, I think it's all BS, I don't think that, well, wearing your mask if you want football, I think you need to wear your mask because it protects the person next to you. I'm not wearing a mask because I want football come the fall, because let's be honest, even if the numbers go down, that's not going to guarantee football because the virus is still going to be here. So I'm not a big believer in that either. I mean, wear your mask, yes. I'm not saying don't wear them. Yes, wear your mask, but I'm not wearing them because I think, oh, this is going to increase my chances of watching college football this fall. It's because it's just the right thing to do uh, as far as that's concerned. But you know most people don't think like that. People think that, all right, what's in it for me? What, what, what do mm-hmm. I get out of it? And if that's what it's going to take for people to wear a mask, that, that you're basically threatening them with no football and they're going to start wearing a mask, then I'm all with it. Like, if that's what we got to do to have people wear a mask, then I'm cool with it. You know, the safety for everybody, and you get your football. It's a win-win. All right, we're starting to see another trend. Oh, by the way, real quick, as far as Rutgers football is concerned, uh, they no fans will be allowed at Rutgers home games, and there are 300 disappointed uh, Rutgers football fans <laughs> this um, as far as that's concerned. Uh, that just was announced earlier. But no, no fans allowed at Rutgers home football games because of executive orders issued by New Jersey governor uh, limiting outdoor gatherings to 500 people or fewer. Likes. So there's that. Uh, Pac-12 football media days scheduled for July ni- uh, 29th through the 31st. They've been postponed. Um, I don't know why that. I mean, do it virtually. I have no clue why you're even trying to force a way to get you know coaches, players in front. And then the other big news that was announced earlier this afternoon. You sent it to send it to me. We've talked a lot about hey, in the state of Ohio, what would happen if you took high school football and kicked it off in the spring? What if you flip-flopped seasons? What if you had your spring sports in the fall and your fall sports in the spring? And a lot of people, oh, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Well, a lot of states are jumping on board, including one pretty large state. We'll talk about that. High school football in the spring, that's the reality for one state, and I think it could start to be the trend across other states, too. What about Ohio? We'll discuss next. Now, back to the Justin Kidder Show on 1410 ESPN Radio and on the stream at wingam.com. That's right. You're listening to the Justin Kinner Show with Kevin Nash live here on Dayton's ESPN radio station, 1410 Wing AM. And, of course, we are streaming live at wingam.com. Tomorrow you will get to hear live Reds Thursday. And then everyone hits the ground running again coming up on Friday. To go back to my point from earlier, like I know everyone's talking about, you know, the, you know, the big news uh, last week or week before. I don't know. Everything's running in together now. <laughs> uh, the Big Ten, of course, uh, eliminating all non-conference games. And there will only be Big Ten uh all, you know, Big Ten versus Big Ten. That's all you're going to see as far as football is concerned, athletics is concerned for the 2020 season coming up. What Now, with that being said, I had commented on that saying, look, I, I think that all sports, all college sports, should be delayed until college, until students are on campus. I think it's dumb to base any decision off of countrywide, statewide numbers right now because those numbers will be irrelevant once once all these students arrive on campus. Now you have a completely different setting. Now you have a completely different variable that has not been accounted for with the numbers that are being you know, taken today. And how is that going to be done, by the way, Kev? If a student from Florida comes to, if a student from New York 
is going to Ohio State and they come from New York and test positive in in Ohio, but they're from New York. Is that an Ohio positive <laughs> test or is that a New York positive test? Or you know, with the way things or are going, it's probably it's probably like all right. How many states did you fly through on the way here? Okay, that's going to be okay. There's four states. Okay, that's four positive tests right there. I mean, the way that a lot of the COVID stuff is being accounted for. There's so many different conspiracy theories out there. I'm hearing so many stories. But I went in to get tested. I filled out the paperwork. I uh, ultimately the wait was too long, so I left. And then I get positive results back in my in my mail a couple of weeks later, and I never even took the test. I'm hearing a ton of random stories like that. You know, I I saw Bigfoot on the way to get tested. He does exist. I mean, I'm hearing the most crazy things out there. Who knows what's true and what's not? Mm-hmm. I'm not saying it's true, but I think it's also dumb to say it's not true. I think you, you always have to kind of, you know, there's always some truth to everything. So you just kind of take it what it is, what it is. But did you ever stay on campus when you went to Wright State? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of. I lived on the, in the province, but yeah. Um, remember they used to, uh, what, what uh, you had to get a TB test, mm-hmm. tuberculosis test. And everything I don't like remember that. if I got that. I think I would remember. Uh, I'm terrified of shots. I literally <laughs> am absolutely terrified of shots. And I don't remember getting that. Really? Yeah. That's a problem. That's a big problem. So my question for every university, for they're <coughs> opening it back up to students to live on campus and everything like that, all these students getting COVID tests? I mean, you would imagine so, right? That you're going to be living co-ed dorms and everything like that. Everybody's living together. You would imagine you want to keep not only the student body safe, but the employees at the university safe, uh, your precious football team and basketball team who generate so much revenue. You would imagine that you will be testing the student body that you're inviting back to pay full tuition to take online well, classes, you have to, right? you have to provide proof to the university that you have all your... I, my shots had to be updated because there's no way I would have been able to attend classes. COVID needs to be added to that probably. Yeah. before. You, so every student should be tested. But again, has that been... I mean, c- classes start in a month. <laughs> all right, it's what, July 20th? I think Wright State and UD start on the 24th of August. I mean, have they announced? I mean, maybe they have. I don't know. I'm not getting those emails. I'm not, you know, registered for classes. So maybe they're getting emails. Maybe that's all being communicated to them. Uh, parents out there, if you have kids attending college or if you are listening and you're going to attend one of those schools in the fall, let us know. I'm curious. Are they requiring that you test? Actually, they probably have heard nothing about whether or not campus will they'll be on campus or not. No, at Ohio State, they're open for business. My little cousin, she's be a sophomore at Ohio State. They sent the FAFSA over. And I don't know about UD. I'm assuming so. I have no idea. I mean, like I said, so you said you're kind of Yeah, okay. yeah. She's, she's ready to go back to Columbus, live in the dorms. My uncle and aunt are terrified. But, like, so, but, like, again, I'm curious, though. They do, are they going to require that? This goes back to my point when I was asking this about, so, if a, if a student from New York is going to Ohio State, or if a student from... Pittsburgh is going to go to uh, Wright State or UD or wherever. And they test positive in Dayton with the virus, but they're coming from another state. Who's getting credit for that positive test? Now, with that being said, this is uh, my ADD's taken off with all of this, but I bring all that up because as far as I'm concerned, no sports, no no college sports, college athletics should not move on until you have bodies on your campus because that's really going to dictate whether it's safe for you to play or not. You know, if you have a large number of positive cases on your campus, that's really going to eliminate any chances of you playing. 
Um, you know what I mean? Like, I think that's going to be key. So I think it's dumb to sit there and say, even if numbers were good, to say, oh, well, yeah, we're fine. We're ready to kick off. You know, the plan is to kick off on time. I would be saying this, even if Ohio numbers were as good as they were during the initial stages, I would be saying Ohio State should not kick off on time. The Big Ten should not. You should not kick off on time until all bodies are on campus. Because you, right? like I said, if Ohio's numbers were good, but some students from Florida were coming to Wright State or UD or Ohio State, wherever, and test positive in our state, is that Ohio numbers or is that Florida numbers? But regardless, it's a positive test that could have potentially infected others around them in our state on these campuses that could cause an outbreak that could, you know, basically cancel a season. So that's why I'm like, I don't really care about people. Like right now, everyone's freaking out. Man, there may not be a college football season. As of right now, I'm confident there will be because until we see numbers of students on campus, I'm not freaking out about anything right now. I, I really I do believe that that's why they're dragging their feet as much as they can because they're just trying to get bodies on campus because that's really ultimately is that's all that's going to matter is where are the numbers like on campus because we're not hey I don't want to go to that state that state there's a large number there's a huge outbreak over there well if we got to go play in Florida Florida sounds scary right now but if you're playing at Florida and that university there's no positive test or very minimal positive test, and that's that's where you're traveling to. Mm-hmm. You're not going to play on the beaches. You're not going to, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? So I think we 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 take the the large state numbers and try to scare everybody, and it's like all the the only numbers that matter to me are the campus numbers. Now the state numbers are going to dictate whether or not fans are going to go, and I'm sure I know a lot of people are keeping an eye on that. But to me, I think the universities and the conferences are like all that matters is what the numbers on campus are. That would be my assumption if that if it gets to that point. Nonetheless. All right, four five seven nine four six four, or of course you could text in uh, to the show using the ESPN Dayton fan hotline. Uh, I thought this Brett McMurphy also tweeted this out. Kev, you sent this to me earlier today, but the that high school football in California will now be moved to the spring of twenty twenty one. Um, and I think, and by the way, I think that they're the California. I think that their uh, logo is pretty cool. It looks like mm-hmm. the SEC logo, but anyways, <laughs> I thought that's uh, what I thought it was when I saw it. Yeah, I was like, uh oh, now. I find this very interesting. I mean, that's a that, that's a big domino right there as far as that's concerned. They're trying to preserve their season as much as possible. Um, and I, I still, I mean, look, it, it came out last week. The OHSA, they're, I mean, the, the dates are set. Uh, we, we now know moving forward, hey, they're going to plan for high school football, you know, as is. So who knows what's going to happen. But I did find this very interesting that California... Is now moving their spring is now moving their football season to the spring of 2021. Now I don't know if they are flip flopping. I said that wrong earlier. I I don't think they're flip flopping sports. Football is the money maker in high school. Why don't we put as much emphasis on that in the high school level that we do college? Because we're sitting here saying, oh, these college football players they should demand. I mean, look how look, look how dependent the NCAA is on them. Well, the OHSA is no different. Their money maker is football. And if these players aren't playing, then they're out money. So that's why I'm laughing. Like I, I, I don't know why we do this thing with college that we don't do with high school because it's basically the same thing. There, I mean, it may not be to the le- the dollar amount may not be to the same level of which college and what money they're making. But the high, the OHSA, it's the same thing. And I'm not pointing them out or vilifying them because it's every every the OHSA. You know, every uh, is you know high school representative in every state is going to be the same thing. But they're all making money off these high school athletes the same way the NCAA makes it off college. And not just not to the level of which we're talking in college, but nonetheless, they're very dependent on it. That's why they're so mm-hmm. desperate. You know, they're they're. I mean, the OHSA they almost sound reckless with. Oh no, we're starting on time. We're we're moving forward. What's wrong with just saying we don't know right now? What, what's wrong with that? People are so afraid to say they don't know. Everybody has the answers. 
but until something goes wrong, I mean, you gotta you gotta say you don't know. There's nothing wrong with saying you don't know or planning to move with different rules than you had in previous years. There's nothing wrong with that. Like, there's no plan, and we say this every single day. Leadership, and it all comes down to leadership. And I'm sure we're going to talk about this when we start talking about the NFL and what's going on with them starting up the league. But it's all leadership and coming up with a plan for everybody that's mad at the Big Ten for canceling the precious Oregon game and the Michigan versus Washington game and everything like that. At the least, at the very least, they're trying to make plans. They're trying to have something else as opposed to just, hey, we're just moving forward as is. They're trying something else. So that's my biggest thing. Like all these other pro sports, high school sports, college sports, conferences and everything like that, you got to come up with something. You got to come up with a alternative to try to get the season going. And that, that alternative may not work, but at least you can say you tried something else besides the norm to try to make this season happen. All right, Justin Kenner, Kev Nash with you here on 1410 ESPN Radio. A lot to get into coming up. How about A.J. Green signing a franchise tender for $18.2 million? And again, he'll remain with the Cincinnati Bengals uh, for this coming up year. Again, we last week uh, we weren't on the air for the day. You know, Dak, of course, never got a deal done with the Cowboys. A lot of big-time players. A.J. Green didn't get the long-term extension he wanted, but all's good uh, in, in that camp because he seems very excited about a long-term future with Cincinnati moving forward. Uh, we'll get to that coming up around the corner. How about Ohio State uh, making some pancakes? Uh, with one of the top recruits that had decommitted from Clemson. Uh, Ohio State and Ryan Day just continuing uh, to make a splash in the recruiting world. Uh, we'll get to that. And as you said at the top of the hour, Kev, uh, the NFL players just blitzing the NFL with tweets about a safe return. Uh, we blast every other sport for their return to play protocols. The NFL might be the most tone deaf of them all. We'll get to that coming up around the corner. But when we come back... Uh, I know we don't care about Oklahoma City Thunder basketball, and that's not really what this is about, but Steven Adams, who's on the Thunder, he predicts more technical fouls with no fans in attendance. What are some other things you can expect to hear in in, in what will the game of basketball and baseball alone? I wrote down a couple things that I expect to view that I expect to notice differently with watching baseball and the NBA with no fans. This was one that caught my attention. We'll discuss when we come back. The Justin Kinner Show with Kev Nash. Back to the famous WING studios. Here's Justin Kinner and Kev Nash. Justin Kinner, Kev Nash, back with you here on Dayton's ESPN radio station, 1410 Wing AM. NHL, they announced that only two positive tests have come through for virus since camp opened. Uh, that's pretty big news for the NHL again. I think that the NHL and NBA, they're, they're in good shape. I think that, the, again, we've watched the tournament. It was a 10-day TBT tournament. The last four or five days, there was zero positive tests within that bubble. I thought that was, th- those, are, those are good success stories right there. That We know that the bubble works, and I think that even, I'm not saying that there will be no positive tests whatsoever, but within these bubble formats, you are really minimalizing the risk of the spread of the virus, especially when, in theory, you're surrounding yourself with other non-positive tests tested individuals. Um, so 
I think that's great news for the NHL as far as their rebooting is concerned. Uh, this article coming out from ESPN saying that the National Hockey League released its first COVID-19 test results since training camp opened on July 13th. Um, in one weekend, and only two positive tests have come through. Um, and I think that's pretty uh, impressive as far as that's concerned. Kev, only two positive tests. The league has tested over 2,618 individuals. Nice. I shouldn't say individuals. Some have been... I'm assuming, tested more than one. But of the 2,618 2, tests, two of them have come back positive. Um, that's a win. That, 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 that's Huge a win. win. Uh, and, and that's why, like, the more, when I was watching the TBT and I was watching that succeed, and the NBA, I think, is going to succeed, and I think that the NHL will succeed within these bubble environments, that scares me more because I think that's the route you have to go. The problem is is you can't bubble college athletics. Mm-mm. There's too many teams. Right. Um, maybe you can call it you could bubble it by conferences. I guess I mean there's where well, there's a will, there's a way, but where what venue is gonna do that? I mean you're you're talking about games having to be played like two to three games a day, starting early in the day. There there's not a lot of basketball only arenas out there. A lot of these teams in a lot of these conferences playing concert-type venue arenas right. that are multi-event venues. So uh, I just don't see how that happens in college, and I was just looking at it from a basketball standpoint. But uh, from football, you can't, I don't think, you can't do it in football. There's too many people, too many bodies. Um, where there's a will, there's a way, maybe. But again, where are you going to bubble um, thousands and thousands of people? I, I just I don't get how that would work as far as that's concerned. The NHL is in good shape. NBA is going to be in good shape. Uh, the TBT was a small sample size, but I think that it was a, a good preview for how effective the bubble format uh, could honestly be as far as that's concerned. So we're going to talk NBA coming up at 4.30. Uh, Joe Varden is a senior NBA writer with The Athletic. Uh, he's been on ESPN all day. He was on uh, he was on the herd the other day with Colin. Uh, really like I mean he's really good. So we're excited to talk with him. But he's in the NBA bubble. He's had to go through all the quarantine process. He's had to go, you know from the time that he landed arrived at the bubble. Um, he's going to take us through that experience of what exactly went into him being quarantined in with everybody else and what life is like in the bubble. We'll get to that with him coming up at four thirty. Uh, Oklahoma City Thunder Stephen Adams, uh, Kevin, said that he predicts that more technical fouls will be called this year with no fans in attendance. How many times in a basketball game, I mean, like, you know how many curse words directed towards officials are missed during a large, largely populated game? Like, you know what I mean? Like, when the crowd is roaring... I mean, like, I always picture, like, the Rashid Wallaces who were just over, like, you know, those guys, like, just the over dramatic. I mean, you definitely could tell when he was, you know, frustrated. You know, uh, you know, I always think of, of Trey Landers with the Flyers. That dude, if he, he's lucky he played for the Dayton Flyers. <laughs> he's lucky he played at UD Arena. He's lucky that he played in the venue that had 13,000 screaming maniac fans because if he didn't, who knows how many things the officials would pick up on because he's very animated as far as like his facial expressions and everything else. Who knows what else that he was saying throughout games. Players swear, they cuss, they talk smack. They do so much during a game that the officials don't pick up on because it's too loud. They're going to pick up on a lot during these games, and I'm curious, and I agree with him. I, I think that's an interesting you know aspect as far as that's concerned. I'm really curious just exactly uh, how the officials are going to change their approach too. they got to change their temper because 
I don't think the athletes are going to be doing anything different than what they normally do. The mm-hmm. difference is, is it's going to look more animated. It's going to look like LeBron's going to look more like a baby. He's going to sound <laughs> more like a baby. A lot of these NBA players are going to, I mean, you're going to think they're maniacs. But honestly, they're not doing anything different than any other game. It's just there's, there's no 15,000 people to drown out the noise of the yelling at the official or yelling and talking smack to to the opponents some people like that and are looking forward to it but there's no way that over a television network that they're going to allow you to hear all of the the smack talk that's going on on the floor you would have to think that they would say hey guys we got to be a little careful out on the floor remember the mics are going to be picking up everything right now because there is no crowd noise to drown to drown out the mic as far as that's concerned i agree with them i think there's going to be a huge uptick in technical fouls this year as long as the official button ready yeah well, luckily, I don't have to worry about that. I mean, they we're, we're carrying a lot of NBA games, but uh, they that's their job. I, I'm right. not hanging around all night holding my finger on a dump button. But honestly, think about it. Like, I agree with that. I mean, the officials are going to have to change their approach as far as that's concerned. I'm glad we get a new wave of NBA officials, you know, the Dick Lavettas and all those fuddy-duddies that basically have been calling NBA games since the 80s. They have finally phased their way out, and we have a new crop of NBA referees, so maybe they can understand what. Well, not even maybe they definitely understand what these guys are going through. A lot of these uh, referees used to be uh, players in the NBA. Vince Workman, he's a official in the NBA. He used to play in the '90s in the NBA, and also the referees are in the bubble too, so they can understand what they're going through. Or you know, it could backfire. The we always talk about how referees they get attitudes too. Well, if you show up game seven of the NBA Finals and referee so-and-so has just had a bad day, he's over being in the bubble. He misses his wife and kids and sick of eating Disney food, and he's just teeing everybody up. <laughs> That's the reality you got to deal with. Goes all Oprah on everyone. You get a technical one. You get a technical. Um, but interesting nonetheless. But, yeah, I agree with them. I think that the game is going to look and sound different. Coming up later on in the show, we're going to get into – not just I mean we know baseball is going to look different in 2020, but that's not the kind of different I'm talking about. I mean, how is the game going to look? How is it going to be played? How is it going to be managed? How is it going to sound? There's going to be a lot of weird things um, within the season. I'm curious how tomorrow's radio is uh, g- how the game on the radio is going to sound tomorrow, Kev. Mm-hmm. Like I was listening to a couple games from last year earlier today, just to kind of like I'm trying to like pinpoint things that you hear with a lot of fans or even limited fans in the stands. I mean, let's not act like the Reds are selling out GABP every single night, but like when I would listen to Marty call games, and, and, and it's not just Marty; it's any baseball broadcaster. There are long pauses in games. Yeah, and a lot of times you could have those long pauses because just the the the, the crowd noise in the background would carry the story of what's going on. Like you know you're. You can hear the the crack of the ball in the mitt. You yeah. Know, you can hear the the snap of the mitt. You can hear the umpire call. You know, ball or strike. All of that. You're going to hear the umpire. You're going to hear the ball hit the mitt. But what are you going to be hearing in between? Uh, you know, that's we're going to have Tommy Thrall on the show later on this week, and I'm curious, is he going to have to change his approach to calling games on radio because you can't go on those longer pauses. You can't. It'll literally be dead silence. There will be dead silence as far as that's concerned in the background. And behind radio, real quick. When you have dead silence on the radio, oh get yeah, the, the alarm. Well, we not get... all of us. Some of us think we're too important to uh, to get the alarm, so they put it on me. Uh, but yeah, exactly. So when there's if the rate like if uh, if we lose signal or something, if ESPN doesn't send a tone, which no who cares? All right? I'm not going to bore you with all those terms. But 
if we go off air, there's a certain amount of time that if we're off air or if there's a silent tone that we will get a notification and I'll get a phone call and I have to put in these stupid codes and all this stuff. It's a pain in the butt. That's gonna. I, I'm worried that that's going to happen a lot. Like, especially if Marty was calling games, because Marty would, and he did nothing wrong with that, by the way. It's just the, the, the game is telling its own story on the air. Mm-hmm. That's the beauty of baseball. That's the beauty of any sport. Um, but, man, you're just not going to have that. Those big games, like, you're not going to feel the rush of the crowd. There's going to be no crowd there. I mean, the Reds are going to be in a spot to maybe contend for the division this year. There might be a, they're going to potentially be a playoff team. You're not going to have the aspect of the crowd telling the story. That's going to be different as far as that's concerned. So I'm really interested in how that exhibition game tomorrow and just baseball in general is going to sound on the airwaves um, because I think that the broadcasters are going to have to fill a lot more. Now, maybe, the, I mean, you're still going to have the organ music. Mm-hmm. You know, you're still going to have the, the walk-up music, I'm assuming. Why not? Yeah. You know, I think you're going to have to do something in the background to create. And are you a fan of the pumping in crowd noise? Yes. Do you think it's necessary for radio? I, I, I don't because I think it sounds sticky. I think it sounds dumb. I think listeners aren't dumb. They know, like, they they know no one's at the games. Why do you need to, like, force in crowd noise? Oh, well, listeners, they're going to wonder what's going on. No, they're not. Everyone knows that there's this little bug floating around <laughs> that has just totally turned this earth upside down. I think people are smart enough to figure out why the game sounds. No one's going to be in their car saying, oh, man, th- th- this just sounds weird. I don't know what's going on. Something's ru- No, everyone knows what's going on. Everyone knows that there's no fans at the games. Which is why it's important that you listen to every game right here on Dayton, some of the Reds, fourteen ten ESPN Radio. Uh, but no, nonetheless, I'm I'm just excited to hear that how it's going to sound, how it's going to change things. I think it's going to be different in how you, um, you know, as far as that's concerned, like how you manage a game. Sixty games, the urgency is there. I think you're going to see a lot of players. Well, I tell you what, we're going to pick up with this on the other side of the break. Four five seven nine four six four. That's the number to call in, or you could text us on the ESPN Dayton fan hotline. More of the Justin Kinner show with Kev Nash. Hour two next. Before we can move forward, we have to get ready to start moving again. Movement is how we express ourselves. No matter if it's on the hardwood, the track, or the highway, movement drives our potential, and it helps us build momentum for tomorrow. Movement takes us further than we ever thought possible. It's what separates us in competition, and it's what unites us when we need it most. So when you're ready to start moving forward again, we'll make sure you're ready for every mile. Goodyear, more driven. Getting to work is a little different right now. Your new commute may be to the kitchen, or the couch, or the basement. If your commute has changed, you could be saving money on car insurance. With pay-per-mile car insurance from Allstate, you get the same reliable coverage you'd expect, but only pay for the miles you drive. Drive less, save more with Allstate. Visit Allstate.com or call an agent for a quote. Price also includes a daily rate, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and its affiliates. Justin Kinner Show, live here on ESPN Dayton. All right, happy Monday, everybody. Welcome in. Justin Kinner with you here alongside Kev Nash. It's the Justin Kinner Show with Kev Nash on Dayton's ESPN radio station, 1410 Wing AM. We're going to have live Reds baseball tomorrow night, 640, the first pitch, 610, the pregame. Reds-Tigers exhibition play, a little bit of a dress rehearsal tomorrow night and Wednesday uh, before the real baseball begins coming up on Friday. And, of course, you can catch every Reds game right here on Dayton's Home of the Reds, 1410 ESPN Radio. And uh, I think right now the Reds are in a situation where, hey, we're going to be carrying all 60 regular season games, and I think there will be bonus baseball this year for the Reds. I think 
that the Reds are in good shape. Uh, I saw that last week while I was out. Uh, MLB Network put out a, a ranking of the pitching rotations. Actually, no, I think it was the last day. Wednesday it was. It was my last day on the air that last week. They put out a, a rotation, or they ranked all the rotations within Major League Baseball. And the Reds have the third best rotation in Major League Baseball, according uh, to that. So I, I think it's interesting uh, when you look at the respect that the Reds, from a roster standpoint, is they're starting to get the attention of a lot of, uh, you know, not just Major League Baseball executives, but of course of the media as well, which is in, important as far as you know coverage and you know being able to follow along and those types of things. I think the Reds front office and the Castellini family has done a fantastic job of building up this organization after five years of flawed baseball. And I'm not saying this team is perfect. But from where this team was and to where they are now, I mean, it's going to be finally a season worth looking forward to for quite some time. I mean, the last couple of years, it's all been about, well, maybe we'll see the development of this guy. Maybe Suarez will develop into this. And we've seen all of that. We're seeing it all come together. Now, uh, the Reds front office was able to go all in and invest this past offseason with Castellanos, Moustakis, everybody. And now they're ready to hit the ground running. The trade deadline last year going out and getting Trevor Bauer. I'm not a big Tre- I'm not a big Trevor Bauer fan, but my goodness, I don't really care. I don't care because if that if that guy can go out there and and do his thing and, and help and be the ace of the staff, I, good for him. I'm not going to complain, you know. But he just does a lot of talking for a guy that his ERA over six. That's my that's my biggest problem. He's he's the baseball version of Baker Mayfield. You guys can't stand when Baker talks because he doesn't he hasn't accomplished anything to back it up. Well, Bauer's the same way. He talks a lot. He talks a lot. Marty Brenneman called him out on the show earlier in the year, and he wasn't wrong. When you have an ERA over six, you don't get to talk that much, and he does a lot of talking. We'll see if he could back up the talking, though, and uh, I'm pulling for him to be doing the, all the talking and backing it up coming up uh, beginning Friday night. Again, Sonny Gray will be on the mound uh, for the Reds opening day Friday uh, against the Tigers, so we're looking forward to that. But make sure you tune in tomorrow and Wednesday, exhibition play Reds-Tigers uh, before opening day coming up on Friday. Uh, but we were talking about, from a radio standpoint, like we know when we're watching games, how different that the games look. You know, how we, it's going to be an adjustment watching NBA games with no fans. Uh, watching Major League Baseball games. I know a lot of the jokes, you know, everyone's making jokes. They're saying, oh, you know, oh, the Reds, they're used to not playing in front of fans, yada, yada. But even with limited fans in the stands, there is still that quiet, hush sound of the fans at the games in the background. You still hear the cotton candy vendor guy yelling, you know, yelling, cotton candy, get your pop, get your this, get your that, whatever, you know. You know what I mean? Like, you, all of that's going to be gone. It's going to sound strange. It's going to look strange. And I'm curious how it's going to sound on radio. Kevin and I were discussing this. A lot of times when we hear games on radio, there's are long pauses. There are long. Po- I mean, a baseball game is so long, three and a half, four hours long. All right, so you got to think. I mean, you're not. There's not action every second. I mean, that's the biggest complaint about the sport is it's very slow moving. All right, it's not. A, you know, it's not appealing for fans who like fast paced sports. It is what it is. But no one's ever complained about the long pauses in games. That's just the nature of it. But a lot of times when you have those long pauses in the broadcast, it's filled with. The cotton candy vendor in the background screaming to the fans, selling you know selling their product. Uh, you hear the fans in the background. You hear the the laughing. You hear the woo. You know the woo. Everyone hates the woo, but the woo would at least fill a lot of that time. None of that is going to be there. Maybe the organ music. Maybe you know maybe you'll hear the the you're going to hear the walk up music. You'll hear the organ music, but that's not playing the entire time. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious. We're going to have Tommy Thraw and the Cowboy on this week, uh, leading into opening day on Friday. Talking with them is going to be interesting as far as are they going to have to adapt the way they call a game uh, on you know radio, even TV. TV, they're going to have to change it up a bit because you can't, I mean, 
I know you're watching it, but again, there's going to be no sound for a lot of things. Uh, someone texted in saying that you know home runs, you can hear the ball slap the stadium chairs in the outfield. You know foul balls, you're going to hear it slap the you you, you know the the press boxes or the the suites. You're going to hear it slap the chairs. Like it, it's going to be. Int- I'm excited for it. I'm excited to see just how different it sounds. I think we all know what kind of. You know, everything's different right now due to COVID. Um, the production of all sports from a visual, uh, from an audio standpoint, it's just different. And uh, I give all the networks credit from NASCAR, uh, the TBT, everything I've seen, golf, everything, every network that's had to adapt the production of its product, has they've done a fantastic job, like adjusting the camera angles. Okay, we're not going to be focusing on the fans because there's no fans. I think they've done a, a great job. WWE, I don't care if you're a wrestling fan or not. They've done a great job. People still think it's weird without fans, and it is, but the production of it still looks pretty damn cool. Like, they are doing their thing. Everyone is just adapting, and it's going to be the same thing with live sports on TV and radio moving forward. Baseball is going to be strange, though. That That is. But basketball, I'm telling you, that, that Stephen Adams' remark about more technicals, I think officials are uh, officials are going to be like, man, these players are more angry right now. The <laughs> players aren't more angry. You're just hearing more. I guarantee you those officials don't hear half the things that are said their way or said to the opponents as much as what they're going to hear coming up. Maybe players will adjust. I don't know, but it's going to be interesting as far as that's concerned. I saw during some of the baseball games over the weekend, they had like the cardboard cutouts of people. Mm-hmm. Not a fan of that. That's creepy. <laughs> that's weird. I only don't mind it because right now that's being done for a lot of season ticket holders. I know the Giants are doing it. I know a couple different organizations. The Dodgers are the Dodgers have done that with like celebrities. They've taken some celebrity faces and put them out there. Um, the cardboard cutout. So if you are a season ticket holder for the Giants and a couple other organizations, I do not believe the Reds are doing this. And if they are, and you're a Red season ticket holder, let me know and correct me. But I don't. I, I would have gotten a press release on it, so I know they're not doing it. Um, but if you are a season ticket holder for most most organizations out there. For, I think, like $100, you get your face on a cardboard cutout right behind home plate. So you'll be you know, seen on TV almost every single night, basically. Mm. Um, and then if you're not a season ticket holder for some of these organizations, you could spend like 200 or something like that and get your face in there. I like, again, it looks weird. I get what you're saying. But, like, again, if this was just a regular season and they're trying to pull that, oh, the Reds, they're so bad in attendance, but they're trying something new just to make money. I'm, I'm all with it. I'm telling you right now, that's the dumbest thing in the world. But because of COVID, because they're all going to be empty stadiums, anything that they can do to soup it up a bit, the better. I mean, you had that team in Korea that put sex dolls out in there, uh, all in the outfield. They got in trouble for that. Or whatever. Now we're talking. Uh, I mean, holy smokes. I mean, but yeah, it's. I, I don't mind. I know what you're saying. But if it's a regular season, no COVID, and they're pulling this, I'm like, oh, that's the dumbest, stickiest thing in the world. But because of everything going on, I don't have a problem with it. Trying to have some fun with their season ticket holders, trying to keep them involved. Mm-hmm. And that's a great way to get people to keep your know, season ticket holders to keep tuning in. Hey, look for yourself on TV. Play off the egos of people, man. You'll win, make money every time. Yeah, I mean, you got to offset the revenue. If that's one way they got to do it, that's one way they got to do it. I just thought it looked so weird. Like, you know, when you're watching a game, you know, used to seeing people move and just seeing. Oh, it's creepy <laughs> as hell. It's going to be creepy as hell. But four five seven nine four six four. Uh, you can call in and join in on the conversation or give us a text, 210-9676. All right, so will the games look different in 2020? Of course they are. No fans. We've talked about that. But what about the production or the stadium optics? All right, the game itself. The game itself is going to be different, I believe. I think that the game, the 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 60 game season is going to change the way the game is played and looks. Um, and it's going to be interesting how David Bell, who 
literally overmanages games. And again, I say overmanages. However, I do believe, to be fair, there's a certain way that I like baseball, and it's more of old school approach. And for me, being 30 years old, I'm sounding like the get off my lawn guy. I don't like the way baseball has changed in regards to how it's being managed, overmanaged, um, taking starters out earlier in games. They the thir- third time through the lineup, and I know a lot of numbers back a lot of these theories, but. Why are you trying to fix something that's not broken? What was wrong with pitchers going seven, eight innings deep and setting records and winning a ton of games and, and earning Hall of Fame careers? Why? At what point in the history of the game did people wake up and say, man, we need to, we need to limit how much our star pitcher is seen by the fans? <laughs> you know? Like, wh- why? Who, who decided that? Who said that we need to see more of the bullpen guys? They're in the bullpen for a reason, because they're not good enough to be starters. Now, they're really, really good bullpen pitchers, but no one's paying. Actually, that's not true. I, If Cha- Chapman was a guy I paid to see, that's a little different. But and many people wanted him to be a starter. But when your, your stars are your pitchers. At what point did baseball front office personnel think it was smart to say, man, we got to come up with some way to... For, to come up with a way for our fans to see our star pitchers less. What do we got to do? Let's come up with the third time through the order. Again, I'm not going to deny that the numbers back it up. But yes, the averages. But again, I think that's natural. Of course, the ERA for pitchers is going to lessen. And they're they're going to get hit more as the game goes on. Duh. Like I, I mean, that that's common sense. Um, but man, David Bell is going to manage games differently this year than he had to last year. I think all managers are. Because 60 games, you're not saving anybody. 162 games, I guess I can understand the justification of, hey, we don't need to throw our starting pitcher eight innings out there in week one of the season. Week one of a 60-game season, though, that's a little different. Now, you know, every game is going to feel more urgent. There's going to be more stress on going out and having a good outing. There is not, it's not going to be one of those, I'll get them next time. There's not going to be a lot of times. It's 60 games. All right? So the urgency. I think starters are going to be left in longer. And if you disagree, four five seven nine four six four. how different will the game look this year? Will starters be left in longer, or will you see managers overmanage the, the arms of the starters. I'm curious as far as that's concerned. I think they're going to be left in longer because the importance of getting wins is going to be like in the playoffs. You're going to rely on your starters a lot. You're going to see more small ball. Bunting is non-existent in the game today. It drives me nuts. But because every game is going to feel so big. I mean, oh, we've lost four in a row, but that's fine. We still have 120 games remaining. That doesn't exist in, t- in this year's baseball. 60 games, that's it. I think you're going to see lower hitting averages. I think you're going to see more small ball. I think you're going to see a lot of the stress of the urgency of the season make or break teams. We're going to find out who on the Reds are star guys who could step up in the, when, the, when the pressure's on. And the pressure's on this Friday. Week, game one. I mean, you start the season 0-3, that's a big deal when there's only 60 games. You start the season 0-3 in a 162-game season, you could still go 159-3. Like, you know, I'm joking. But my point is, the urgency is going to be there. I think it's all going to impact the way the game is played, managed, and looked. Uh, looks in 2020. Let's go to the phones. Let's go to Doug. Doug, thanks for holding, man. How are you? Hey, I'm pretty good. I'm doing good. How about yourself today? Not too bad. What's up, man? Yep. Hey, when when the season starts and, and there's no fan in the stand, I hope the game is speed up. I hope hope there's no commercial on TV because during the regular season, I don't watch no game on TV because it's so doggone slow. I might listen on the radio because I can get up, and move around, and five minutes later I come back and you still they still pitching to the same guy and everything. So if they ain't gonna have no fan in the stand, I hope the game is speed up. Now when I go to a game. I mean, 
I already invest my time in there to sit there for three and a half hour or whatever the game going to be. But as far as sitting there watching on TV, I'm not sitting there watching no game for three hours on TV. But in this case here, when they start playing, if the game is speed up, it's more action, no delay in between, you know how, you know, no commercial, I might watch it. I might sit back and watch the game. Doug, are you, 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 are, are you a college football NFL fan? I'm a NFL fan. All right, those I games mean, average about three to three and a half hours. College football is four. What's the difference in four hours for those sports versus three hours for baseball? I'm not arguing with them. I'm just curious because we always act yeah. like other sports are so quick. And they're, I mean, oh. NFL and college is just as long. Well, it's the, the, the same thing with the, with the commercial breaks and everything. When I go to an NFL game, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sitting in the stand and say, come on now, I'm, you know, play the game. You know, I know it's commercial going on, but, you know, it's all that. You know, you got my money there. <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know, go ahead and show the game. You know, now I can see. You know, now in in, in the pros after in the in the third and fourth quarter, they do speed the game up. You know, they don't have that many commercials and stuff. You know, but you know, but you know, with the, the first half, the first quarter and the second quarter, it's just so long. You know, it's just. But like I said, when you dare. You know, you you already invest your time into it, so you know you're gonna be there for a while. You know, you ain't getting out of no parking lot no time sooner, nothing like that. You know, but I'm just saying, as far as in baseball action, it's just so slow. Sometimes watching on TV, it's the same way. You know, uh, now the football game, if I'm watching it on TV, I can get up and move around because I'm doing it. I can get replay and stuff too. You know, you know that's another difference. You know, but. But I'm just like I said, when they, when the baseball team come back on, start playing, if the players and the, you know they speed the game up and be more action and stuff, I will sit there and watch it. All right, well, good. Hey, uh, Doug, thanks so much for the call, man. Much appreciated. Uh-huh. Um, well, as far as the commercials and all that stuff are concerned, look, the whole reason that they forced a season to begin with is because of money, and the way they make money is. Yes, ticket sales sometimes and all that, but it's those TV deals mm-hmm. and those commercial deals. And those commercials have to air. We and love that, commercials. That, yeah. It's, <laughs> yeah when, it, when we come in and we see uh, thin logs, that's not a good thing, right? Like, so, um, but no, I, I just, I, I'll never understand that complaint about, oh, baseball's too long. Well, if you enjoy something, I don't enjoy something that's quick. Make your joke. No one enjoys anything <laughs> quick. Guys, am I right? Like, no, no, like, we know the importance of you. You don't want to be quick, right? So, like, let's be honest. Who, who, I don't understand that approach of baseball. Oh, baseball's way too long. Well, I'm, I'll, I'll block out a whole four or five hours for Ohio State football on the weekend. Well, I love Ohio State football. So, if you are, have that opinion about baseball, that probably means you're just not a big baseball fan. Because I love baseball. I'll watch it for four hours. I never mm-hmm. once say, oh my goodness, this game needs to get over with. I'm, I know when I sit down to watch a game that I am going to be invested into this for the next, Couple, you know, quite a few hours. Same thing with the NFL. Same thing with college. Um, so I'll never understand that approach as far as that's concerned. I still don't think pace of play and the length of the game is the problem with the baseball. It's the for four hours. I need to know who the hell I'm watching for four hours. That's what the problem with baseball is. You don't know who the hell you're watching. I could watch the Reds for four. To be fair, though, I could watch the Reds for four hours. Right. You know, and me, I follow pretty much every team in Major League Baseball. But the casual fan out there, if you don't know who you're watching, I, I'm not going to be interested. College football, the star power is there. The NFL, the star power is there. Baseball's problem is if baseball had star power, the games could be six hours. No one's going to complain. 
as long as what you're watching is stars. But you would agree going to a baseball game and watching on TV is two totally different experiences, though, right? Yes. Yes. I think the the in-game experience at a baseball game is so much different and it's so much fun going to a baseball game versus watching it on TV. Like, I'm a big Cleveland Indians fan. I watch them on a regular basis, but I don't watch too many other teams on mm-hmm. TV on a regular basis. But, like, I go to Reds games because going to a baseball game is fun. Yeah. Like, the whole atmosphere. And, I mean, you know, the Dragons games are fun. I've never watched a Dragons game on TV, but I've actively made plans to go to a Dragons game. Don't disrespect Jack Pole like that. I'm just saying. Jack, I got your back. I I watch you all the time, Jack. I'm just just saying. I know what you're saying, though. (laughs) Yes. And I've always said that about the Dragons, too. I'm like, diehard Dragons fan. Name a player. Like, I think it's great that we have that team in the city. Don't get me wrong, but, like, I go to the game because I enjoy the atmosphere and it's just baseball. Yes. But, I mean, unless they have, like, a big prospect like Hunter Hunter Green or one of those guys, I'm not rushing to the ballpark and to buy a jersey of one of those guys who I'm just saying. I don't know. All right. Uh, we'll get back into that coming up. Let's take a trip inside the NBA bubble. Actually, we're not going to go in the NBA bubble, but we're going to bring someone on who is in the NBA bubble. Uh, the Athletics' Joe Varden, senior NBA writer. He is uh, right now quarantined within the NBA bubble. In, in Orlando, and he's going to take us behind the scenes of what exactly went into him being set up there. What is the atmosphere like? Is it a good atmosphere? Like when you're roaming the bubble, are people comfortable? Are people tense? Are they, uh, you know, I, I envision a very stressful bubble. I don't know why. I don't think that's what it actually is, but the way we talk about it, we talk about like it's some kind of like you're almost like, I mean, LeBron, he got ripped for saying this. I know what he was trying to say when he said he was, you know, it felt like he was going to go be locked up for a while. People jumped on him for that. The optics and the timing of it, probably not good. But I think we all know what he was trying to allude to. I mean, you're literally locked in a bubble. You're not allowed to mm-hmm. leave this bubble. Everything you do has to be within this bubble. Um, it, it just sounds weird. But, uh, hey, I'm thankful that they're doing it from a sports perspective because they're going to be bringing us some live NBA basketball coming up here in, in just 10 days. Let's talk with NBA senior writer Joe Varden from The Athletic. He joins us next. Eat. Champagne Dental Group in Urbana recognizes that dental phobias are real. If phobias are preventing you from getting dental treatment, we have numerous options to keep you comfortable and ease your fears. We offer multiple methods to help relax you while you're in the chair, which is the Justin Kinner Show on 1410 ESPN Radio and on the stream at wingam.com. Just a reminder, we got Reds baseball coming up tomorrow night. Again, just exhibition games, but we'll take any live sports we can at this exact moment. Opening day coming up later on this week, Friday. The Reds and Tigers uh, will square off in game one of a 60-game truncated COVID-impacted season. And uh, not bad. And, uh, listen, I'm very curious. And, I, again, I know Victor Oladipo, there's an update as far as that's concerned. We'll get to that in a moment. But if you can, when, from the when did you arrive in the bubble? And just how difficult was that? I don't know how often you fly, but is the worst flying experience you had as far as getting checked in versus getting checked into the bubble, which one was more strenuous in your opinion? You know, um, of all the interviews that I've done in the last nine days, that this is the first time I've been asked about the flight, and I appreciate that um, because it absolutely was the one thing that, that has been scary. I mean, waiting for my first COVID test to come back was also pretty scary. But otherwise, you feel safe here. I mean, you know, everybody's wearing masks. There's, it's just, I mean, it's, uh, they really did a good job setting this up. The flight was, was something. And, um, you know, I flew first class, uh, the Cleveland to, um, Dulles Park, 
it was a full flight. Like there was somebody next to me, you know, at least he had a mask on. Thank goodness. Um, <laughs> and then from Dulles down to Orlando was much better. Uh, about a third full flight, like nobody near me in first class. Um, it was, that was better, but, but overall, yeah, like checking into security, just with everything you read and you know, just how things are going in the country. It just, it was not, it was not a pleasurable experience. I mean, how nerve-wracking, I mean, again, because you're talking about, you know, you're having to sit by strangers on the plane, and however they take care of themselves could impact not just you, but those within the bubble, too. I mean, you're wanting to cover the NBA. You want to clear everything to be able to get in the bubble. How stressful was that, waiting for the results? I mean, what was quarantine? What was the process like when you arrived in Orlando to become cleared to stay in the bubble? What was that process like? Yeah, I mean, so you, you arrive, and it's very subdued. It's very quiet. You know, they take your name or check. You give them your name. They check. Yep, you're supposed to be here. They give you your magic band, and uh, and then you go and sit in your room for hours until they come to take their first test. And then it's like a 12 to 15 hour wait um, for the for the you know the result, which obviously is way faster than what people in the country are, are dealing with right now. But um, you know, it's I mean, you have some thoughts, and and, and the other thing is. The, the thoughts go for a couple of days because you know how this works and you know that if you actually picked it up at the airport, it's not going to come up with the first test that night. Uh, so you're, the first couple of days, you're testing to make sure you didn't catch it at home. And then, you know, when you start to get into that day three, four, five range is when you're getting cleared, uh, you know, from the airport. And then w- once you hit about that point, then you're feeling good. You're feeling like you're, you're in and you're going to be here for the duration. So, Joe, we see the guys fishing, chugging beers, having a good time. How long is this camp life slash buddy-buddy life going to last? How long are they going to be like this? Are they going to actually act like this once the actual season resumes? Well, (laughs) it's hot. It is hot down here. And... I think that that probably will have as much to do with uh, tempers getting short as as anything else. Um, you know, it is a good. They are trying to have a good time right now, and it seems like for the most part they're doing it. I think it's more going to be about just keeping things fresh. You know, so right now it's it's new, and then everybody's kind of getting back to practice and getting back to work, and then Wednesday we start playing preseason games, uh, and so then that's new. You know. And then next week we start playing for real. Then now it's, you know, that'll be new. And then the playoffs. So given the challenges, sort of the setup of this whole thing, what you hope for is that there is enough newness, like at each stage to kind of keep people wanting to, to, to take care of themselves and take care of the bubble. Joe Varden, senior NBA writer with us with The Athletic. Good enough to jo- uh, hop on here with us on the Justin Kinner Show with Kev Nash on 1410 ESPN Radio. Of course, the NBA will be tipping off uh, coming up on July 30th, and we're super excited about that. Again, so much has gone into allowing this to happen, and Joe is calling in from the bubble in Orlando right now, which we appreciate. Uh, but, Joe, for those, like, for me, for so there's eight regular season games, I guess, or eight games before the playoffs initially start, a lot of seating on the line. How is that going to work as far as, I mean, like the Lakers and the Bucks and some others who have their stuff pretty much buttoned up how are you going to run into a situation where you have a, a preseason approach for the lakers uh, going up against a potential pelicans team who's going all out for seeding i mean how is that going to work as far as different teams in different situations from a competitive standpoint 
You know, I mean, I, I could be silly here, um, and I could be off base, but I, I don't think that you're going to see nearly as much of that as, as um, like, that, that opinion or that guess is, is, is very, is, is definitely out there and, and shared by many people. I don't necessarily agree because um, all of a sudden, I mean, the playoffs, you know, obviously that really matters. And instead of six months to get ready for that, you have eight games over a couple couple weeks. And, you know, I keep trying to tell everybody, like, yes, this is a restart of the 2020 season, but you had a full off season, And, you know, those off seasons typically, you know, that's why we go from one season to the next. Like, rhythm doesn't doesn't carry over continuity doesn't doesn't carry over so you know yes the lakers come into this with the best record and yeah they have lebron and ad but they're a different team they're a different team in who they have in uniforms they're a different team in what they're gonna like look like when they get out there so i think you're gonna see all these teams to the extent that their health will allow use these games to get ready for the playoffs you talk about the playoffs and the Lakers. That race for the eighth spot in the West, you got, what, the Pelicans, Suns, Trailblazers. Who has the inside track in your mind? Well, I mean, probably the Grizzlies, just because they have, um, you know, they're, they're, they have a three-and-a-half game lead. Um, and then after that, I would say right now the Blazers, um, just because Dame and CJ and then now Nurkic. Um, you know, the Pelicans. I mean, really tough blow with Zion. You know, you don't know when he's going to be back. And the Kings is just a disaster. Like, they they just, it's just one bad luck thing after another. Now Marvin Bagley's hurt. I saw him walking around about, you know, 20 minutes ago in a boot uh, mm-hmm. and, on, and on crutches. So, not good. Um, so, I think, I you know, I guess because of the Zion thing, uh, I would say the the Grizzlies are probably my pick with the Blazers right there. And, uh, you know, that if Zion can get back and, and get it going, then, um, you know, now we heard, make for we, we heard Charles Barkley jump out on a limb and say, if the Trailblazers make the playoffs, they will beat the Lakers. What's your thoughts? So this is, and this is kind of the other thing that I really believe is that, like, I think that the attitude of, quote, not wanting to get players hurt or, like, if you are a player who's hurt, or not even hurt, just questioning things and saying, you know what, I'm going to rest up for next year. Like, I think that's a mistake. And um, and I think that for a couple reasons. One, this is truly a historic time in, in all of professional sports and obviously in our country, and you want to be a part of that. But then secondly, because of all the craziness and all the stuff that's going on and where we are and what the circumstances Circumstances are going to be. You never have had as much chance to beat a one seed as you do right now. Never. And and uh, you know so I mean the Lakers again like yes they have two of the five best players in the league probably, but they're also missing a starter and they're missing uh, you know their backup point guard with Rondo. You know it's it's possible and that's why you know. Uh, you want to you want to give it your all. You, you don't want to just pack it in and punt for next season. And um, if you're a front running team like the Lakers, you you need this time to get yourself in gear and like play your guys and get them ready to, ready for the playoffs. 
Joe Varden with us here, NBA senior writer for the Athletic. Joe, as we let you go, I'm just curious about this because I'm confident that the the bubble theory is going to work. I mean, look, the TBT it was a 10 day little run, but uh, you saw the success with that. The NHL's numbers are pretty good within their bubbled environment. I think the NBA is going to be in good shape. Could they? Could there be concern if the bubble works out so well? that there could be some hesitancy to uh, releasing all the players back to their home cities to tip off the next season? Could they take this and try to find a way to do this for next season, even if it's just to start it? I mean, how could that impact that as far as that's concerned? Well, I mean, you know, this costs like $170 million to do this. <laughs> Yikes. Um, you know, so that's the first thing. But then the second thing is, is like living in this bubble now for as long as I've, as I've been here and seeing – now that today was the first day we could go to practice and seeing like all that goes into this just to be able to, uh, to, to have basketball, it makes it unfathomable guys that, that like a few months from now we'll, we'll all just be back in arenas all over the country and everything will be back to normal. Like I just, I, it's too hard to imagine. I just don't see it. And so I don't have a good answer for you. Um, I don't know what the future holds, but that's like just it. Like this having, like going through this and seeing what it takes to pull this off just makes like thinking about getting back to normal just like an impossibility. All right, well, good stuff. Joe, I caught you on the herd the other day, and you brought up a good point uh, about uh, Zion, that the NBA has built their whole broadcasting schedule around Zion, and it could be for the second straight time where we could be left with nothing as far as that's concerned. I mean, you, you lightly touched on it earlier. As we send you out, just any update you have as far as that's concerned, are you hearing that he could be back by the time the season tips off? And when he does come back, how long does he have to isolate for? So he has to isolate for a minimum of four days. Um and then depending on what his testing situation is and depending on why he actually left, um, he would he could be in there up to two weeks. Um, I, you know, it, it was interesting over the weekend, uh, both Alvin Gentry and Lonzo Ball said they had not uh, spoken to Zion at all since he left. Uh, J.J. Reddick said that he had. Um, but, the, you know, the organization is being very tight-lipped. I mean, it's... Um, you know, it's a family matter. It is serious, obviously. Um, and, you know, it's what ha- what has happened is upsetting. Um, you know, I, I don't know if it's a death or if it's something else. Like, it could be anything. Who knows? Um, but it was enough for, for Zion to go home. All right. Well, good stuff. Give Joe a follow on Twitter, at Joe Varden, J-O-E-V-A-R-D-O-N. Joe with The Athletic, good enough to join us here, senior NBA writer. Joe, thanks so much for your time, and uh, enjoy the rest of your time in the bubble or vacation or however it is you're uh, forming it in your head. Uh, Oh, man, don't say vacation around my wife. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Hey, thanks so much. You take care. You too, guys. Thanks for having me. All right. uh, Good stuff there. Um, The Zion thing's weird, too, because I I wasn't going to go into it with him, but... uh, there's a lot going on with him from a legal standpoint. Right. And let's be clear here. The stuff he's being investigated for does involve family. Um, and you've got to think those those investigators, they're not leaving one stone unturned as far as that's concerned. Just how much, I don't want to use the word harassing the family, but again... He's responsible for a lot of the stuff. I mean, that's why I laugh when, you know, we sit there and say, well, these athletes, once they move on to the NBA, who cares what decisions they made in the past? But the problem is, is when you move on to the NBA... You leave your mess for everyone else to clean up. And I don't know. This could be a death in the family. It could be a sickness in the family. I don't know. It could be a cover-up by the NBA. 
It could be something. Who knows what's going on? There's always that conspiracy out there. But uh, when he's t taking care of a family matter right now, when they're in the midst of that huge family investigation, I mean, every day in the news something was coming up about an apartment that his dad or mom had or a mm -hmm. car that his mom or dad had or bills that were being paid. All, all I got to say See, is... See, the, big, the biggest thing about that whole situation is let's, let's just go out on a limb and say they did take money. If we learned anything... They did the, take money. <laughs> if we learned anything from the Chris Weber situation... Oh, time just, out, time out, time out. What? Oh, this guy. <laughs> well played. Just, just admit it. Just admit it. Because that's what got Chris Weber into more trouble. Perjury. When you get up on that stand. Just tell the truth. Like, yeah, we took the money. And it's not even a big deal. Like, oh, sorry. You'll you burn the Duke program. Oh, well. I mean, it's better than perjuring yourself. And potentially... Going to jail. Aye, aye, aye. It's going to be interesting. I, I'm excited for the NBA season to tip off. And I mean, I think it's going to be very successful. And I do think that the more successful it is, the more unlikely the season tips off on time for the 2021 or for the 2020-2021 season. Now, for those of you listening who don't know, if there is a Game 7 in the NBA Finals, that'll be on October 12th. Teams are supposed to report to camp on November 11th for the start of the delayed 2020-2021 season. That's why I asked. I just I feel like if this is successful, the more successful it is, it has to hurt the chances of them thinking that they could leave the bubble and just return to life as normal when there's going to be nothing normal about anything come December on top of that. So it's going to be interesting as far as more of the Justin Kinner Show with Kev Nash when we come back. It's the Justin Kinner Show with Kev Nash. Back to the famous WING studios. Here's Justin Kinner and Kev Nash. Multiple people reached out on Twitter saying, oh, I'm sure Kenner hates the fact that the NFL players are voicing their opinion. We all know how much he hated when Major League Baseball players did it. I'm going to tell you why there's one major difference as to why I am not against the NFL players in this current situation. The NFL just made a huge uh, announcement as far as the agreements and the ongoing negotiations with the NFL Players Association. There's a huge difference here between how this is going to hand or be how this is going to play out versus Major League Baseball. Um, the NFL really wants there to be a season. Really, really wants there to be a season. And I think that. We Good stuff from uh, The Athletic's Joe Varden, senior NBA writer. He just joined us live from the NBA bubble in Orlando. And uh, he told us a lot. I mean, for one, I, when I asked the question about the airport, I was really trying to make the point of a lot of times TSA checkpoints can be so damn difficult that, uh, you know what I mean? Like, so what was more difficult, you know, a, a checkpoint or, of course, the getting into the bubble. Uh, but he went on to talk about, you know, the flight itself. And that is the scariest part about all that. And again, a lot of players, not just in the NBA, but Major League Baseball and others, everyone that's reporting to camp. And I should say NFL because all baseball players are in their respective camps. But, I mean, baseball, they're going to have private planes and that type. That's the other reason, too, I'm not too worried about baseball as much as I thought I would be. I forgot, Kev. They're all going to be in private planes. Still going home. Huh? Still going home every day. That's fine. You're the most... Ne you you got to stop, dude. Like, seriously. Still going home every day, They're, dude. Uh, that's great. That's fantastic. And if they go home, but like, that that's part of their responsibility as well. Yeah. Their responsibility, they they hold... I mean... It's not only... But, it's, but that's the thing about it. It's not... 
it's not only you. It's not only me. It's not only the baseball player. It's everybody. Yeah. It's everybody has to be responsible for themselves, which in turn makes everybody responsible for everybody else. Because that's what the whole thing about wearing a mask is. It's, hey, I don't want to get anybody else sick. Oh, no, that's not how it works. <laughs> that's not how it works. Not going to muzzle me like a You're dog. You're not going to, yeah. <laughs> We gotta get that. This is America. This is my freedom. We got to get that drop. You ain't going to put no mask on me. This is America. Don't take, my, don't take away my freedom. Yeah, I'm not saying that, like, oh, man, they going home. They about to be at club so-and-so partying like a maniac. But, you know, when you're not inside a bubble, you're well, I get that, acceptable. But I mean, Just like you and I. We're every, day, every single day that we stop at the gas station to go grab some M&Ms and fill up our gas tank, we're acceptable. And we come to work. We're acceptable. We're, but in the NBA, they're inside a space, a bubble. Ain't nobody coming in. Ain't nobody coming out. No, and, and look, as far as that's concerned, I mean, Major League Baseball, I mean, they're going to be going home at night. Exactly. I agree with you 100%, but it's no different than our jobs. Uh, and, uh, you know, they just got to be cognizant and smart about where they go and who they surround themselves with and, and so on and so on. But uh, as of right now, I mean, Major League Baseball has put a lot of precautions in place to be able to minimize the chances that these players catch the virus. And there's only so much they can do unless they put this big-ass bubble around them when they go home, which is not realistic. You know, I am tired of hearing on the shows over the last couple of days, saying, oh, Major League Baseball, they're not doing enough. What, what else can they do? I mean, could they have done a bubble? approach could the nfl do a bubble approach i don't think realistic I, I don't not now i don't think they have enough time they had plenty of time to come up with some kind of thing but again roger goodell and the nfl there's no way they were going to go that route now with that being said uh we welcome you back again it's the justin kinder show kev nash with you here on 1410 espn radio the joe varden interview uh again cover is senior nba writer from the athletic um he called in from the bubble just to give us the behind the scenes of what exactly life is like in the bubble uh and he said don't call it a vacation at least around his wife uh, because he is in orlando i meant to ask him if he gets out on any of the rides or anything i know that they're allowed out on the rides like at night after everyone's off and everything like that but i would be as a reporter if i'm there i would be terrified to be the one that ruins the bubble right because i went on a uh, on a roller coaster i had to go hang out with mickey for a little bit like, you know <laughs> like that, that that's that would be you know i'd feel horrible as far as that's concerned but all right let's get into this so the nfl uh they've been going back and forth with with the players association um and, and how to approach this upcoming season because keep in mind camps uh, i mean are coming up just around the corner over the weekend it was interesting a statement was released about the upcoming reporting times and dates and I was like, oh, man, that's just around the corner. I mean, look, rookies are reporting on July 21st. If you do the math, that's tomorrow. All right, so rookies are reporting tomorrow, July 21st. It is, yeah. because today is the 20th, and today is my mom's birthday. All righty, Wait, then. you forgot your mom's birthday? No, no, I talked to my mom like 13 no, times you, a day. You, but you doesn't mean you told her happy birthday, because you said that. Hold up, time out. You can't get away with that. No, because you don't you need to convince 21st. me. You just need to convince your mom that you didn't forget her birthday. I didn't. But I you just it. sounded so like, oh, crap, it's my mom's birthday. No, like, not that. Didn't sound like, that I'm didn't saying, sound oh, like crap. a guy. Oh, crap, they're starting football. I obviously remember my mom's birthday. I don't believe you. I'm All my right. favorite son. So, <laughs> So rookies uh, report tomorrow. Quarterbacks and injured players, uh, so that's probably A.J. Green, uh, report on July 23rd. All other players will report on July 28th. So all within the next week, all these players are going to be reporting to camp. Um, And over the weekend, NFL players began blitzing the NFL with these tweets about safe returns. 
And at first, I was like, oh, here we go. This is going to be another Major League Baseball scenario. But here's why I don't have a problem with what the players are doing. The players have every right to demand anything they want from a safety standpoint. Here's why I don't have a problem, Kev, with what the NFL players are doing. is because not one tweet they were bitching about money. Not one tweet where they acting like this was about money. Now, I'm not saying money doesn't play a role in this. But Major League Baseball, they wasted so much time talking about pennies on the dollar. Mm-hmm. I never once, outside of the, the Blake Snell or whatever, who, who no, you're good. Uh, outside of, of Blake Snell uh, and Bryce Harper, who, while playing video games, started you know complaining about, oh, you know, you're... You know, I'm putting my life on the line. I mean, just very traumatic stuff. But again, when you're playing a video game and you're just complaining about your work, that's not really speaking out on bettering the game. You're just complaining and you sound like you're tone deaf because you, it's at that point, you know, unemployment rate was at an all-time high. I mean, we just know how devastating everything was. I'm not saying everyone's mm-hmm. swimming in money right now. But again, we've come a long way since that point. The MLB players sounded tone deaf when they were coming out and complaining because the, all they were worried about is money. The NFL players are doing what they should. They want to make sure that, hey, we know realistically you can't keep us from getting the virus, but we expect you to have a lot of precautions put in place to help increase the chances or decrease the chances of us getting it. Oh, yeah, and if we get it, then what? Because you're not just going to send us home and say, well, get better and uh, call us if you need something. I don't need to call you if you need something because we're going to have everything we need ahead of time. What are you doing? Now, I will say that I was not a fan of the, oh, we need daily testing. I think that's over the top. I think that's overkill. I think that that is... You know, we talk all the time about who the virus impacts and all that stuff. And we, as I, we've talked about a million times, it's not just about the individual. All right. It's about those around them. A lot of these players are being very cautious. I do think that the daily testing, if the NFL fought back on that, that it's not because they don't care about the player's safety. It's just because of that's overkill. Now, I keep hearing a lot of people say, oh, well, the NFL, they can afford it. Yes, they can afford it. It doesn't mean that they, there's a lot of things they can afford. They can afford, you know, a lot. But the reason that they have a lot of money is because they don't go just buying everything in the world that they can afford. And I also don't think daily testing is necessary. I do believe three to four times a week is necessary. I do not believe daily testing is necessary. Um, I think that that's an awful lot. I think sometimes that when we think about our everyday jobs, our jobs aren't providing one single test for us. All right, but we you want me to sympathize with these guys who are demanding daily testing? But they, doesn't mean that they're wrong. A, they have a union. Uh huh. We don't have a union. Like they, they have a union and they have the power to do that. Like this is all, you know. They're, I don't they're hear they have a power to do. It. Of course, they have a power to yeah, do they, it. They're, but they're supposed to be partners in this whole thing we call the NFL. So they definitely need a voice. And I don't necessarily think that daily testing. Um, I don't know if that's accurate, but like those are all negotiations. You know, you say daily and hope for three to four. You know. Yeah, I mean, and I don't think that's bad. But again. So I thought there was no way in hell that the NBA was going to go for the daily testing. Now, this comes out just literally about maybe 20 minutes ago, that the NFL and the Players Association have agreed to do daily COVID-19 testing for the first two weeks of training camp. Now, why just the first two weeks? Why not the entire season? This goes back to my point from earlier. I think right now, to make season-long decisions based on what we know now is foolish. I think the NFL would be foolish to say, oh, yeah, we're going to do daily testing for the for the length. For the, so starting in August all the way through Christmas, we're going to be doing daily testing. No, <laughs> that that's that's not good. We're talking about five thousand dollars a day almost for daily testing for teams. Uh, now, I didn't do that math that quick in my head. Someone did it on Twitter earlier and I thought it was interesting. So they did the math by player, by personnel. On average, a team would be spending five thousand dollars a day on daily testing. So do that math. 
all of August, all of September, October, November, December, and into the you know, playoffs and Super Bowl. I, that's stop. That that's overkill. That that's overkill as far as I'm concerned. Now I like that the, the they've agreed to the first two weeks. Here's why. Let's see what it does. Let's see what the first two weeks of camp is like. All right, we're going to find out when they report to camp and they're te- you know because we got to see the numbers. You just texted me something now about what the the the, the NBA. Uh, released its latest testing numbers. Mm. Of the 346 players um, tested for COVID-19 on the NBA campus since the test results were last announced on the 13th, zero have returned confirmed positive tests. Folks, this is what we're talking about. Like, So the NBA, like, it's working so yeah. far. I mean, and it should continue to work. Now, more bodies are going to be coming in and out as time goes on. We'll see how that works. But my point is, is if you're the NFL, you haven't got to this point yet where you've begun testing. Now, if they start testing and they realize, oh, man, we have a high percentage of positive tests. Maybe it is important that we provide daily testing moving forward because we really need to monitor this. But if you're going days in a row with no positives, you don't need to be overspending on daily tests at that point. I think you need a, the first two weeks daily testing. Let's monitor it. Let's see what's going on. Right. All right, cool. We have way too many positives. We're going to remain doing daily testing moving forward just to keep track of it. Okay, we're not testing as you know many positives as what we were anticipating. Cool. We're going to scale the testing back just a bit. I think it's smart of the NFL to go two weeks in. Let's gauge where we are at that point and kind of go from there. Um, but I like to see that both sides are requesting things and getting it so quickly. It's not like Major League Baseball where they stalled things for a month and a half. The NFL responded quickly, and I appreciate that. Big time, man. We talk about leadership, and we talk about being partners and everything like that with the NFL and the players. The owners in the league want sports. They want this season to happen. So for them to actually give and give so early in this, there's to be commended, and they learn from the errors of Major League Baseball. And I think that that's what's happening here. I really do. And um, so there's more coming out about the the agreement that the the agreement between the NFL and the Players Association, Kev, it, it's going to require daily COVID-19 testing for the first two weeks of training camp. After those two weeks are up, Kev, if the positive test rate is below 5%, then the league would scale back to testing every other day. Which I think that's where it should be, anyways. But I would, but good for the NFL for realizing that hey, we're not going to die on this hill. We're not going to delay the start to our season over testing, which is mm-hmm. you know something that if they can control, great, do it. Now, so if it's below the five percent rate for the first two weeks of the season, they'll go back to every other day. Uh, they'll continue with daily testing until such time as it falls below that number. So five percent is that daily target number or that testing target number of hey, if we have a percent of positive tests that are above 5%, then, you know, we're going to continue the daily testing to track it, monitor it, try to contain it, and go from there. Uh, again, this isn't the the war hasn't been won, but this the first battle has definitely been, well, the NFL wins this one. All right? they, they Good for them. Kudos to them. The players win, too. Everyone, I should say it this way. Everyone's winning in this situation right here, and hopefully they can remain on the same page. The players are able to express their concerns, mm-hmm. allow the NFL to combat it, and say, okay, here's what we can do for you, and move on. That's what a professional negotiation is supposed to be, not the crap throwing that we saw from Major League Baseball and their players' association. So good for them, good for the players going on Twitter and putting the pressure on the league. I just don't get why they're doing that so close to camp opening. I mean, where was this urgency a week ago, two weeks ago? But we all know in negotiations, the urgency's not there until the yep. time comes of, oh, yep. man, if we don't do this today, we're not going to have Because tomorrow, rookies report. Adam right. Troutman, Dayton Flyer, he's reporting to camp tomorrow for the Saints, most likely. Like, you know, so... 
just trying to use a local kid, but you see my point. My, yeah, it's you know. crazy because negotiations between ownership and unions, not only just in sports, but in regular life, has been going on for eons. And it's always like this. You know, There's it's always like this when it's a, a teacher's union and a school. They always go down to the last minute. Uh, GM plants in their union dealing with the automotive industry. It's always down to the last minute. And it's no different in sports. Like, I don't, I don't un- understand why it's like that. I've never been a part of a union. But it seems like whenever there's a dispute of this magnitude, be it money, be it whatever, Unions and ownership always, always to the last minute. It's always to the last minute. Schwartzen over there. <laughs> Damn Snapchat, I'm telling you. It gets you every time. Uh, but no, it's good. I, like I said, this is good news because I was worried that we were heading in the direction of, oh, here we go again, base, Major League Baseball 2.0. Uh, but uh, good, for, good for the NFL. So 5%. Five percent. I'm telling you right now, I'm not confident about college sports, but I'm I'm very confident about the NFL getting something done. Um, the players in four five seven nine four six four. The players are still adamant that they do not want any NFL preseason games. Uh, they are adamant that they do not want preseason games. That they, you know, and I agree 100 percent as far as that's concerned. Um, I don't think that I would hate to if they if they have uh, good numbers as far as the the positive tests are concerned. I would hate to see all of a sudden they pass that 5% clip because they played a preseason game. Uh, I really don't think that preseason is necessary. Uh, we'll see if the NFL budges, uh, budges as far as that's concerned. But the NFL Players Association, Kev, still adamant, hey, we do not uh, want any preseason games. We'll see if the NFL budges on that one. And, you know, that's going to be a long time. When is week one of the NFL season? September what? The Sunday after Labor Day. Okay. So we still got – I mean, we got a while. I mean – but in a month and a half, we have NFL. Right now, that's the good. Wow, that I mean, and it's your mom's birthday. We're learning a lot here. We're learning a lot here. As a, but when you really think about it, we are just over a month away from NFL. Like that's that's outstanding news. I mean, I'm telling you, I'm more confident about the pro sports happening than college at this point. You know, you negative look at, Kevin though. No, so no, 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 no. Hashtag no. we ain't playing. <laughs> no. I just look at the NFL and everything that's going on of them trying to push the season forward. They're trying to make plans, and that's great. But we talked about the college football. I feel the exact same way as you do about college football. I am very weary. I'm very weary. I think they're going to start college football. I just don't think they're going to finish. That's all. All right, let's let's go to uh, Nick. Nick, what's up, man? How are you? Hey, what's up, fellas? I might be uh, totally off base on this. I'm not a union worker or anything, but it, it, it would appear, it would make sense that if they push these negotiations to the very last second, like Kev said, it's, it's because it puts more pr- more pressure on the negotiation. They're that much closer to skipping a beat. They don't want to do that. So they're more likely to bend to the union under that kind of scrutiny than if they were to do it three months ahead of the deadline. Oh, yeah, and, it's, and tomorrow, uh, July 21st, being the date that all rookies are supposed to report to camp, they were threatening that no rookies would report. And it's very, exactly. and by the way, it's extremely crucial. I mean, that would have been devastating for the mm-hmm. Bengals. The Bengals right now desperately need Joe Burrow you know, at camp. They, right. they, you know, they need their rookies there. A lot of teams need their rookies there, but especially a team like Cincinnati, who their quarterback's going to be a rookie, the Chargers quarterback's going to be a rookie. Uh, you know, they need, so, you know, there was a lot of pressure on the league to get something done today. Um, but, but I agree with you, Nick, a hundred percent. I mean, the urgency's not well, there a week ago, but hey, the day before they're supposed to report, there's no more urgent time than that. Yeah. And, you know, I was thinking back, um, I had talked to you when they traded Dalton to the, uh, uh, 
Cowboys? Cowboys, yeah. And you would ask, yeah, you would ask me what my opinion was on that, and I told you that I would really wish that they had sat on him and ran him for another year and let Burrow sit behind him. And, you know, then all this broke out with COVID, and I I know you can't, like, foresee that, but, yeah, it puts way more emphasis on that because, I mean, you never know what's going to happen. And now they're in a situation where I bet they're kind of kicking themselves that they didn't do that. Well, I mean, that, that's exactly what they would need in this type of situation. Well, the the comfort level of having a experienced backup quarterback, or experienced backup quarterback who knows the system. Obviously, the the Bengals would have been better off with that. But the reason that was never going to happen is, I mean, he would have been making seventeen and a half million dollars as a backup. There's not a team out there that would do that. Um, so that's why it wasn't going to work out, no matter what had happened. But I, I definitely well, see your I point. Mean, for that, the, what they're facing now, I mean, you don't think that's worth seventeen million? The potential of another. Two and fourteen year. I mean, look. Uh, I mean, the Browns. Their backup quarterback's making three and a half million a year, and that's on the higher end. Um, so for the, well, I mean, technically, our backup would have been Burrow on a rookie contract. They're not. They, they're not drafting. They, here's the deal, though. When you draft rookie quarterbacks now, though, it's not to ease them into the situation. And they're trying to win now with him. That's why they made all the changes they did this past offseason. So I agree with you. I understand. Your thinking is is spot on. Hey, continue starting Dalton for another year. The problem is teams just don't do that anymore. Uh, I know people bring up the Chiefs, but that was different because they were a playoff team with Alex Smith. They knew what they had. They didn't know they had an MVP quarterback sitting behind Alex Smith at that time. Um, So who knows? But Okay. Go away. You guys have a good night. Hey, you too, Nick. Good hearing from you. Um, no, I, I see his point, but uh, at the same time, that the day and age of the NFL drafting rookies and 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 starting a veteran quarterback ahead of them, the Browns try to. Everyone tries it. Everyone tries to do this. Oh, we're going to draft a rookie and we're going to ease him in and we're just going to let him learn the ropes. There's no such thing as learning the ropes, you know, sitting anymore. Right. When you're drafted in the first round, especially top ten, your ass is starting. The Browns tried that with Tyrod Taylor, and it ultimately was like, well, what are we doing? We're, we're losing with Tyrod. We might as well lose with Baker and at least l- let him learn along the right. way. And they ultimately ended up looking better with yeah. Baker. And I think that the Bengals are going to look better with Joe Burrow than with Andy Dalton. I so, agree. You said something about the players' union doesn't want preseason games, right? Mm-hmm. Now, I struggle with this one because I watch zero preseason NFL football. But at the same time, I know how many guys end up making NFL rosters because they played in the preseason. Um, Victor Cruz, when he uh, made the New York Giants, is because he balled out in preseason. And then eventually he was their leading receiver, helped him win a Super Bowl. So I am torn on this because I think we're going to lose a lot of potential good NFL players because they don't get a chance to show what they got in the actual game setting. Practice and games are two totally different things. I know and there's no joint scrimmages anymore either. Like you, um, oh, they 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 nix that they nip that in the bud already. So there there is no joint scrimmages anymore. So you're just, but hey, I mean colleges do it. I mean it's literally just week one. Be one. I right. mean, it's week one. You got to be one. I mean, that's. But everyone's on the same playing field as far as that's concerned. It's not like some teams have a preseason game and others don't. Um, I ultimately think they end up with one preseason game. I don't think that would hurt. But to your point, if they, if they were fighting for no preseason games ever moving forward, I agree with you. But for one season, because of the circumstances, I'm not willing to risk a huge outbreak right. over a preseason game to keep a Victor Cruz. Right. And I know not him for say, but that type of player. I know what you're saying. But 
oh, moving forward, I'm with you. No, you need preseason moving forward. But for one year, to take a year off, I argue that about Major League Baseball. What do you mean we can't have people come into the clubhouse? It's for one year because Mm -hmm. of COVID. Everything is because of COVID. Relax. These aren't permanent rules moving forward. But then again, if they have a successful run with no right. preseason, but I think there's there's too many front office execs that believe what you do. That, hey, we need the preseason, but if we don't have one this year because of that, we we get it. But no, I, you're right though. There's a lot of players, the back end guys, backup guys that you know it's the boring stuff filling in the back end of the right. roster that we as fans don't follow, but ultimately plays roles that you don't realize. You don't realize the journey of some of these guys until you look back and say, oh, I didn't know he barely made the team. I didn't know he was a last-second cut or a last-second addition. Yeah, like you without know. those games, what's the point of coming in as an undrafted free agent? You're not making the team if you're not getting a chance to even get on the field at all. You think <laughs> you think Drew Brees is giving up reps <laughs> in practice to you? You're no, an undrafted free agent. I'm with you, but if I'm Roger Goodell in the NFL, I'm like, I am not going to risk a season of Joe Burrow no, for sure for Victor Cruz. Like, so I, I'm with you, but like uh, for the risk of this, for say, no, I, I'm I'm fine with it for one year. Um, but I'm also fine with one preseason game or two moving forward. Two should two. probably be every I think other week. Two is fair. I think you have a preseason game, two weeks to go over what you need, next preseason. But the four preseason games yeah, is overkill. That's, yeah. that's just overkill. That's yeah. the word of the day, apparently, but overkill. <laughs> I agree. All right. Uh, Raiders owner Mark Davis, Kev, he's uh, leaning towards holding games without fans. Um, he said that no one fan... Um, is more important to him than the other. No matter if they paid for a seven hundred or for a seventy-five thousand uh, dollar PSL or a five hundred dollar PSL. I'm a I'm, what's a PSL? Uh, Prime seat the, level. The, the, the personal seat license. Pers- okay. Prime yeah. seat level sounded better to me. <laughs> PSL is prime is what? Personal seat license. I think is that is that uh, is that a normal term for every sport? Like is that yeah, is, you you so have like to. UD season ticket holders. PSL is what they call it. Oh, I'm just I'm I'm just curious because I didn't know, so I sound stupid because, right now, which is no surprise. But but no, you before you buy the tickets, the season tickets, you, you have gotta to buy the pay. rights to yeah, the, the, yeah. Yes. so you gotta pay the PSL and then the ticket. Yes. yes, okay, so that's what that is. I knew you had to do that. I didn't know that that's what it was called. Okay, so now it makes sense. I should n- make a note to ask these questions before going on the air. <laughs> um, but he said that no one fan is more important to me than the other, no matter if they paid for a $75,000 PSL or a $500 PSL. Uh, they're all Raider fans to me. My mindset today is no fans should attend the games. Wow. Um, he goes on to say that regardless of fans at games, Mark Davis, again, owner of the Raiders, believes that three options for the NFL, that the NFL has only three options at the moment. The first one is go on as planned with teams reporting for training camp over the next week and see what happens. Uh, I love that, see what happens at the end. <laughs> but, to be fair, that sounds very unprofessional, but let's be honest here, no one knows. The see what happens approach, that's what we're all doing. In fact, the opening things back up, even though common sense told you it was a bad idea, even though we still need to make money and all that stuff, that was the see what happens approach. Let's open everything back up and just see what happens. Well, this is what the see what happens approach uh, meant, if, if you look at everything that's going on in some parts of the world. So, he said, regardless of fans at games, Kev, Davis says that he sees three options for the NFL. Go on as planned, see what happens. Number two, delay the start of the season until November and go to a 12-game season, canceling each team's four interconference games. Mm-hmm. Um that's the second approach. My, my my problem with that is that, like, you start it, you kick off on time, by the way. Delaying makes no sense. You waiting till November, 
What, what's different about November? The NFL doesn't need to wait on anything. They need to start on time. I have no, if the only thing that should delay the start of their season is negotiations between the union and the league. That could lead to a delayed season. But as far as COVID delaying the season, if you delay the season because of COVID, you might as well cancel it because of COVID because nothing is going to change. COVID's not going anywhere. All right, we, we thought it was going to disappear when we flattened the curve, even though we all knew that was BS to begin with. Flattening the curve had nothing to do with getting rid of it. It was all about easing the pressure put on the health system, right? So, like, we knew once things opened up, it was going to come back. So you wait another month with things still open or things closed, and then when the numbers go down because businesses are closed, then we think we're in the clear, and then the NFL kicks off, and then when things open back up, then we panic because, oh, my goodness, the numbers are back. It's not that the numbers are back. The virus never went anywhere. Right. Oh, so you so, mean the summertime didn't kill the virus? I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, this is unlike any flu I've ever seen before. <laughs> so there's that. Uh, but no, I, I don't believe in delaying the season to November. I don't see the purpose of it. Now, if they're saying delay the season because we want to take four games off the schedule and uh, less games means we're minimalizing the risk of more, you know more games to, to have an outbreak, if you approach it that way, I may not like it because I want my football now and I don't want to wait till November, but I do understand it. But saying, hey, we're going to delay it because we don't like what the virus is doing right now, then you just need to cancel it because the virus isn't going to change at all. It's just not, at least from the perception standpoint that everyone's freaking out about. And then the third option is to cancel the season entirely. Um, I think you only have two options. He says three. I think you have two. You either see what happens. you got to start on time and see what happens, which I'm not even mocking that. That's what we're all doing. The NBA, the bubble theory, we're like, oh, they have a plan. That plan is still a see-what-happens plan. Hey, games tip off in 10 days. Well, let's just see what happens. Everyone is on a see-what-happens type of plan at this exact moment. So I'm not mocking that. People were making fun of that all day, and I'm like, he's not wrong. There's not one definitive thing right now. The TBT was a see-what-happens. NASCAR is a see-what-happens. Everything is a see-what-happens. Let's just see what happens because we don't know. We don't know. So I have no problem with that. You either go on as planned and see what happens, or you cancel it altogether. But delaying it to me is pointless. I, I see no upside to delaying the season as far as that's concerned. But we shall see. All right, Justin Kenner, Kev Nash with you here. Uh, we'll get into uh, Ohio State. Made some pancakes over the weekend. The Flip-flop, flip-flop. Once a Buckeye, always a Buckeye, unless you are Tate Martell. All right, we'll get into more of that coming up around the corner. Plus, we'll have more of that interview with Joe Varden uh, as we take a look at life inside the NBA bubble. Uh, and then, of course, the Bengals, A.J. Green, he signs his franchise tender. And what does that mean for the Bengals and A.J. Green long-term? We'll get into that as we close the show out. Don't go anywhere. Now, back to the Justin Kidder Show on 1410 ESPN Radio and on the stream at wingam.com. How about this? The Washington Nationals have announced that on opening day, Dr. Fauci will be throwing out their first pitch <laughs> on Thursday. Nationals accepted their invitation to throw out the ceremonial first pitch on July 23rd. Uh, Dr. Fauci has uh, been a true champion for our country during the COVID-19 pandemic and throughout this distinguished career, so it's only fitting that we honor him as we kick off the 2020 season and defend our World Series championship title how would you do throwing on the first pitch uh like i don't know i've never done that and keep in mind like i mean i've thrown a baseball and it always sounds like oh you just throw the ball but like there are so many people that embarrass themselves i mean uh we can give schlemmer a call i mean uh jack pole caught that stuff on tv i mean there's still the youtube clip of, of mark schlemmer who 
I think he knows a thing or two about baseball. Mm -hmm. I, I think he's familiar with the sport. I think he knows his baseball just a tad, right? No, Slummer knows his baseball. He's played baseball. And he threw like an embarrassing first pitch at a Dragons game one night. You haven't seen it? No. Oh, Slummer's going to kill me, but yeah, I'll have to show it to you. But it's absolutely you hilarious. Uh, but no, like a lot of people mess that up. I have no clue what it is. I don't know if it's nerves. I mean, you're not really out throwing. You know, you got to warm up, too. You're not going to be that accurate. But no, I'd probably embarrass myself just like I would do anything athletically, embarrass myself. You know, I always have a plan for things like that. I'm throwing it. Sidewinder. Ugh. I'm I'm throwing it like I'm shooting a basket. I'm putting so much air underneath it. I don't want to like try to get up there and throw it like a real pitcher kick See, I my think, leg I think and that's fire where, it. I think that's where people go where they mess up. They go up into the mound throwing the first pitch as if they're going up there like they're about to be Greg Maddox or something. Like <laughs> you're right. That's a great approach. Like I'm not even gonna try and like look like a pitcher. It's just gonna be a little light toss. Just yeah. like, hey, I'm throwing you an egg. I'm just lightly tossing an egg to you. You know, it may look stupid. Oh, it's a baseball and you're lobbing it up in the air like it's a softball game. But my goodness, you're right. I would rather lob it up and embarrass myself that way than try to look all mean mugging the, the mitt and winding up, lifting the leg, <laughs> leaning forward and knocking out the camera guy, man. Like, that that's not what I'm looking to do. So, yeah. But that's funny you think about those things. <laughs> you know, yeah, like, man. How about this? Uh, Antonio Brown. A.B. Uh, appears to have retired. Uh, he went on this little uh, rant on Twitter. I don't think that, I mean, that doesn't sound like him uh, at all. I mean, that you know what I mean? Like, uh, But he says that he's basically done everything. Um, he's checked everything off career-wise that he could accomplish. I mean, you don't have a, you don't have a Super Bowl. Uh, you know, you don't have an MVP. Um, you played fun, on an underachieving fact, team, but, you know. He got hurt in his, the only Super Bowl he played in. He played in the Steelers-Green Bay Super Bowl, got hurt first quarter. Yeah, he goes on uh, to tweet that is it time to walk away? I done checked everything in the game today. Like so, he he said, you know, and then he goes on to say, at this point, the risk is greater than the reward. Thank you, everyone who has been part of this journey. I sincerely thank you for everything. Life goes on. Eighty four. Now keep in mind, this isn't like one of those Mamba out type of announcements. Like he he's not like retiring. Mm -hmm. You were forced out. This isn't like Megatron. Everyone, he forced out. He was. Uh, I mean, no. I mean, he forced himself out. Yeah, there you go. No, no, he wasn't for. No, no, no. But like people on on Twitter and Facebook are acting like, oh, another great receiver calling it quits early. Like they're trying to bring up the Megatron comparison. No, no. Megatron did not self destruct. That sounds so funny, but yeah, Megatron <laughs> did not self destruct. All right. Antonio Brown self destruct man. Like that. There's no other way around it. And. Everyone, I mean, literally, it's disappointing because that that guy, from a wide receiver standpoint, would be the best wide receiver in the game today. Mm -hmm. I mean, he only played one game with the Patriots last year, and you could just tell the difference in the offense when he was out on the field. I mean, him and TB, they connected on a touchdown the first drive down the field, Kevin. I mean, like, he, he's just that type of guy. He there's not a, There's always really good receivers in the league. Like, OBJ, as much as I like him, I'll take Antonio Brown any day. OBJ doesn't. There's something that OBJ lacks that this guy has. This guy just has that superstar elevated type of game to him. It's like To is just like there's certain wide receivers that there's always really good receivers, but then there's those guys that just elevate their teams. Mm -hmm. It's hard as a receiver to elevate your team. We've seen great receivers not make a team better. OBJ didn't make the Browns better last year. I'll admit that, and I'm an OBJ fan, but he didn't make the Browns better last year. 
I do believe his presence made the Browns better from a it opened up Jarvis Landry and some other opportunities for him. I think that's where he kind of plays a role as far as that. But Antonio Brown was just different. But when he comes out and he's doing this uh, little retirement speech and everyone's like, oh, another great receiver. No. He's, there's a reason he's out. I saw someone say, well, he's not retired. He's going to be, uh, <laughs> you know, he, a lawyer. You know, he's going to need a lawyer. Lawyers aren't cheap. He, he's not done. He's not retired. The problem is, Kev, is there's a lot of teams that would want him. I think the Saints would love him. A lot of I think the Patriots would they love another the tires runner. on him last year. But the problem is, is for all the off the field issues that he had, the league has yet to suspend him for it. Mm-hmm. So for a team to sign him, they're basically not signing him for the immediate future. They're signing him for a long term future, and who knows what his mental health will be like by that point, and his physical health will be like by that point. Not physical health, but his physical makeup and mm-hmm. and all that. Chances you see him on the field again or what? One to ten scale of one to ten. It's got to be 50-50, man. I hate to go there. You know what? No, I'm going I'm going lower. I'm going lower. If he doesn't get in the NFL this season, it's over. He'll never play in the NFL again if he doesn't get in there this season. Um, I think the landing spot for him is the Ravens. Like, I think the Ravens can afford to make a play on him. I mean, his uh, cousin, Hollywood Browns there. Um what's a better way to get back at your biggest rival with the Steelers than to have their best receiver of all time on your team making plays for you? I think the Ravens are the play for him. And the Ravens always could use another weapon. I mean, what's better than weapon than A.B.? Yeah. Um, the Browns, I think if he comes back, it'll be in the AFC North. The Bengals? If you're the Bengals, you want to make a play, go do that. That's not that's not like their character. They won't do that. I say goodbye to A.J. Green after this year, mm. and I go after him. For, for a team like the Bengals, try, like here's why. Teams are going to be desperate. And he, the reason I bring up the Bengals as far as a potential fit down the road, they're going to be in financial position to do it. Like Joe Burrow is a rookie. You have him on a rookie deal. Plus, they're going to become desperate. And what I mean by desperate, Kev, is the Browns become – I shouldn't say desperate. That that word has a negative connotation to it. Urge, the urgency is going to be there. AB just turned 32, just a heads up. So is that old? No, the I don't wide think, receiver? I don't think old so. I wide think, receiver, 35, 36? Mm. I think there's another good year or two out of them that you can get. I don't think it'll be this year. I think A.J. Green sticks with the Bengals this year. And I'm not even saying that he will that Antonio Brown goes to the Bengals. All I'm saying is is a team that could realistically approach him would be the Bengals. <laughs> Ironically enough, uh, A.J. Green thir- turns 32 at the end of the month on July 31st. So they're the same age. A.B. turned 32 on July 10th. A.J. Green thir- turns 32 on July 31st. And what's even funnier about that is I think they both played the same amount of games the last two years. One. <laughs> What? It's true. I'm spitting facts. Hey, hey, those are the facts. I'll take Antonio Brown any day. Now, like I said, don't be so. I don't think the. If I'm the Bengals, I don't extend AJ Green. I mean, he keeps saying all the right things. Oh, I want to be a Bengal long term. Blah blah blah. I'm like, yeah, well, that's cool. Um, you, you got to play. You know, he he had. Some, I put something on my Facebook page today that he said that he's uh he that he's very excited about uh, the on field work, or that he's not worried about the on field work for Joe Burrow despite lack of field time this off season. I said, well, what are you making? What are you commenting on other people's field time for? What are you commenting on everyone else's? Why don't you worry about your own field time? Why don't you get healthy? Why don't you get on the field? 
Stop blaming Welcome Stadium for all your problems. All right, and, and you just finish the season. How about that? How about that? Make that happen. I want Antonio Brown and Cincy. I would love it. Imagine Burrow, A.B., Baker, OBJ. Man, that would be great. That would be great. The personalities and that rivalry will be through the roof. There has to be a season this year, man. I have to see <laughs> Baker versus Burrow. I have to see Browns-Bengals. Like, I have to see it. It's been a while since you've said you have to see Bengals-Browns. You, I have to see that game this year. Like, no doubt. Even if I, I mean, can't physically be there, I have to watch that game. That game is going to be fantastic. That rivalry is going to kick off this year, and I'm so pumped for it. Baker versus Burrow is going to be money moving forward, and it's going to be great. Even Bengals fans, you don't have to like the Browns to admit or to agree with me. You have to admit that that is going to be super fun moving forward. As long as they're good. As long as they're not train wrecks. Oh, the Browns will be fine. It's the Bengals you need to worry about. Oh. All right. We'll be back in a moment. More of the Justin Kinder Show with Kev Nash next. For streaming, creating, gaming, and more, power your passions for less during Dell's exceptional cyber savings event. Enjoy up to $400 off stunning laptops like the XPS, along with high-performance desktops and next-level Alienware systems, redefining what's possible with 10th Gen Intel Core processors. Shop special prices on top brand electronics and accessories, plus enjoy free shipping on everything. Don't forget to ask for Intel when you call 800-BUY-DELL. That's 800-BUY-DELL. <laughs> Before we can move forward, we have to get ready to start moving again. Movement is how we express ourselves. No matter if it's on the hardwood, the track, or the highway, movement drives our potential, and it helps us build momentum for tomorrow. Movement takes us further than we ever thought possible. It's what separates us in competition, and it's what unites us when we need it most. So when you're ready to start moving forward again, we'll make sure you're ready for every mile. Goodyear. More driven. Welcome back. Justin Kinner, Kevin Nash with you here on 1410 ESPN Radio. We're spending so much time talking about Major League Baseball, which, by the way, Reds Baseball tomorrow night, spring training, summer camp, summer league, whatever you want to call it. Exhibition baseball. How about that? But the important thing is, is that it's live baseball. Yes, sir. You're tuning in tomorrow night for live baseball, live Reds baseball, Reds Tigers exhibition play uh, tomorrow night, 640, 610, the pregame coming up immediately following the Justin Kinner Show with Kev Nash. How cool is that? Opening day coming up on Friday. Technically opening day on Thursday, Yankees Nationals. Dr. Fauci throwing out the first pitch at Nationals Park, so that's going to be pretty cool. Uh, I'm just excited that we're officially at the point where the season is here. And I, I don't I don't need the Cavs of the world saying, no, for now, or you think. <laughs> right now, the plan is, hey, opening day is this Friday. We are a lot further. This is so much better talk than, hey, oh, you know what? Hopefully there's a season. We have a date. We have players who have been practicing in exhibition. They didn't go through all that just to have it pulled at the last minute. I believe he gets started. I, I think the see what happens part, Kev, that part's going to kick in after the season starts. I think the, the see what happens part is, okay, well, we have teams flying all over the place, all over the country. We still mm-hmm. don't know where Toronto is going to be playing yet. They might be the Pittsburgh Blue Jays. They might be the Tampa Blue Rays. Uh, Blue Rays. What the hell? Yeah. Blue Jays. What the hell? Yeah. There we go. Blue Blue Rays. I knew what I was doing there. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. But regardless. But uh, how about this basketball? Uh, Jeff Goodman uh, with Stadium. He said that uh, the NCAA has allowed college basketball coaches to be on the court with players today. Now, 
This doesn't include Wright State or UD, but he did poll 85 of the 87 schools from high major leagues. Uh, I'm curious. Come on, Jeff. You, 85 of the 87, you couldn't finish it up? I mean, what, you could have quit two to go? Get on your um, job. But he said he polled 85 of the 87 schools from high major leagues, and he says that 50 of the 87 took the court today. I'm assuming Ohio State did. I'm assuming. Nine more will do so later this week. 26 will not do so until August 1st, Georgia and Virginia Tech. So I think that, you know, that helped. But those opportunities aren't going to be there. Right. If the non-conference is wiped out, which I'm saying that because I ultimately think that that's going to happen. I don't think there's going to be a non-conference in basketball. I just don't. Not saying that it won't happen. But my opinion is I don't believe that there will be a non-conference. And if I'm wrong, I will be so happy. Like, I'm not sitting here trying to... You know, for those out there who are waiting for the season to get here and they have non-conference, say, oh, idiot Kinner thought they wouldn't have it. Okay, but I, I didn't think they would. My point is, is I just don't see how it's, that's going to happen because they're going to be very picky about everything moving forward. they got to make sure that they get a, a college basketball season. You can't miss March Madness two years in a row. You, and especially if you're already losing money and dollars off the football season, you can't compound that with missed basketball money as well. Um, you know, b- basketball is not keeping a lot of institutions open, but at the same time, some are. I mean, look at here in town, obviously. But again, you can't risk. You know, if you're Ohio State, you can't not have a football and a no basketball season. You can get away with. You know what I mean? So it's going to be interesting how that pans out. But when you're UD, if there's no non-conference, that's going to be tough because the only thing you're going to be gauged on is what you do in the A10. The A10's respected. You know, it's more respected than the Horizon Leagues and those conferences of the world, and rightfully so. I'm not arguing that it should or should not be. It it is, but I don't know if there's enough weight in the A10 to feel good about. Oh, our at-large chances are pretty good. There's no at-large chances, in my opinion, if there's not a non-conference schedule attached to the college basketball side of things. Uh, if you're the Dayton Flyers, and we've they don't do well in the A10 tournament. This year, I think they would have done fine because they were head and shoulders better than the rest of the league, but we all know how that ultimately panned out. All right, good stuff. Uh, if you want, uh, if you missed the interview with uh, Joe Varden from The Athletic, he called into the show live from the bubble, uh, the NBA bubble in Orlando. So make sure you go and check that out, wingam.com. Also subscribe and download the Justin Kinner Show podcast in your Apple iTunes, Google Play Store. Phil Steele, we'll talk some college football with him coming hey, up on hey. Friday. In fact, the Phil Steele, we're going to get the Phil Steele Magazine 2020 coming up. Uh, we're going to be getting that later on this week as well. I'm super pumped about that. So we'll he'll be joining us on the show on Friday. We're going to be talking with a couple of the Reds broadcasters throughout the week, Tommy Thrall and, of course, the Cowboy. Excited to hear their thoughts on how are they going to adjust calling games with no fans because you can't have as long as of those pauses that they have in games. So we'll talk with them. A lot of big stuff. Uh, Mike Golick, I chatted with him today. He's going to do 1410 Wing Live with me this week. Uh, I was excited to be able to land an interview with him as uh, he's approaching the final weeks of his radio career, which is still, I don't care if we're an ESPN affiliate or not. I think it's BS that uh, his career is done. That you still have him to use, and you're choosing not to use him in a radio standpoint. And the more, yeah, it is what it is. That's all we have for you today. We'll do this again tomorrow. Have a great night. Until tomorrow, this has been the Justin Kinder Show with Kev Nash on 1410 ESPN Radio.
As you get back to business, small things can make a big difference, like marking safe distances with floor tape and posting reminders to wash hands. As always, Granger is here to help, offering supplies and solutions for every industry, free access to product specialists, 24-7 support, safety recovery guides, and more. It's part of our commitment to help you adapt and recover in these challenging times. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Before we can move forward, we have to get ready to start moving again. Movement is how we express ourselves. No matter if it's on the hardwood, the track, or the highway, movement drives our potential, and it helps us build momentum for tomorrow. Movement takes us further than we ever thought possible. It's what separates us in competition, and it's what unites us when we need it most. So when you're ready to start moving forward again, we'll make sure you're ready for every mile. Goodyear. More driven. 